0: Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on And now starting an hour earlier Welcome inside the Radio Octagon This is the Sports Gauge on 620 CKRM Here's your host, Michael Ball All right, we're off to a rousing start
2: here in the Sports Cage. I'm all into these wrestling theme songs today for some reason, like Hulk Hogan's WCW theme song. He's got the red, white, and blue pumping through his veins. And I forgot to get my damn headset. So Zinger had to run to the other... Old studio, and get the uh, headset for me, and he's back. He okay, you're huffing and puffing there.
3: Yeah, I just got to get my heart rate down here, boys. Well, let me
2: tell you, brother. Let me tell for- you, buddy, not do again. <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> kind of sound like the Iron cheek there. Uh, Michael Ball here, along with Sean Kleisinger. Your... Uh- host here in the octagon if you would uh, like to weigh in 936-6262 that's our random question of the day okay our random question of the day because i came in here today and you're like whoa that's an off the wall little statement i had said and i don't want this to happen but i feel i went into wrestling nostalgia today and i don't know why for no reason On the treadmill watching some old wrestling stuff, I feel like a famous wrestler's going to die this week. Oh, wow. I know that's bad. So anyway, with that in mind, no, not which wrestler do you want to see die. Uh, Your favorite theme song. Your favorite wrestling theme song. I know that, man. Man, how about... It's not earth-shattering. Evolution shattering. is a mystery. Who sings out? Who sings out? Motorhead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I mean, uh,
3: when Triple H changed his theme song for Time hit. to play yeah, the that game. Yeah, one, that one was good, but when he changed the King of Kings one. Oh, yeah. For WrestleMania uh, 22, I believe, against John Cena. Yeah.
0: On your knees, dog. <sniffs>
2: <laughs> I, hate yeah. that. I love with the glass smashing and stone cold coming out. Yeah, it's a classic. If yes, <laughs> man! Yeah, that's a good one. What the rock is cooking. Yeah, was, there were so yeah, many good a ones. Good so uh, weigh in on that. Now, um, we are just going to read this story and then just move right along, okay? There's nothing really to you can comment seven ways from Sunday. I am not going to. This world is divisive enough, but uh I will read the story. An executive with the LGBTQ advocacy group says he doesn't want the actions of Ivan Provorov of the Philadelphia Flyers to overshadow all the good that's happening in hockey. Provorov didn't warm up with his Philly teammates last night ahead of the Flyers game against the Anaheim Ducks. The Flyers wore pride-themed jerseys and used sticks wrapped in rainbow-colored tape during the pregame activities, but Provorov, who is Russian Orthodox, said it was against his religious beliefs to support the initiative, and so he didn't go out on the ice. Um, this is what the NHL had to say. Hockey is for everyone. Hockey is for Everyone is the umbrella initiative under which the league encourages clubs to celebrate the diversity that exists in their respective markets and to work to achieve more welcoming and inclusive environments for all the fans. Clubs decide whom to celebrate, when and how, with league counsel and support. Players are free to decide which initiatives to support, and we continue to encourage their voices and perspectives on social and cultural issues. So there you go. Moving right along. Pittsburgh is at Ottawa... Colorado's at Calgary. Tampa visits Colorado. Or, sorry, Tampa visits um, Vancouver, not Colorado. Dallas and San Jose, Boston at the Islanders. By the way, uh, I'm not saying moving right along in terms of being dismissive. I feel like you got a tippy-toe all around all the time. I'm just saying we're just going to move along. Um, I really don't have an opinion. Uh, I'm a 50-year-old White man who is heterosexual. I'm steering clear of the whole thing, okay? That's e- okay. Each to their own, man. Each to their own. The CFL's reigning defensive player of the year is returning to the nation's capital. The Ottawa Red Blacks resign defensive lineman Lorenzo Muldin the fourth to a one-year deal. Now the Louisville or as my dad would say Louisville product (laughs) led the CFL (laughs) in sacks in 2022 with 17. He also recorded 43 tackles and a pair of forced fumbles. The Chargers fired offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi and quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator Shane Day but head coach Brandon Staley remains on the job even though his team blew that 27-0 lead. Well he held the old press conference saying there's another gear we can get to offensively we need to find a different level at the line of scrimmage to make that happen we have one of the top jobs in the league keeping him in that position as head coach is so chargers 2023 is a waste i will say this singer at least we went to a game and saw them win uh but here, how about this brandon sit your players when they have a free bye week Run the ball when you have a 27-0 lead. How about that? Sometimes armchair quarterbacks aren't always wrong. I want to get your opinion on this, Zinger. So, Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers said plenty of things in Tuesday's edition of the Pat McAfee Show. One comment really stands out. Do I still think I can, Rodgers said. Of course, of course. Can I play at a high level? Yeah, the highest I think I can win MVP again in the right situation. I'm I'm totally fine with everything he said, said Rob Gronkowski, except one major part, and that's the MVP again. It's just that I think I could win another Super Bowl. That's what he should have said. Like, bro, why are you thinking about the MVP? Like, don't you want Super Bowls? Like, Super Bowls are five times greater than the MVP award, I think. Zinger, how do you feel about that?
3: Well, Mr. Rob Gronkowski, you obviously did not watch the whole interview because later on in the interview, or maybe even before that, Roger said, I will not come back unless I feel like our team can win the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. These people these days, they see a clip on Twitter, they watch 30 seconds, and then they tweet stuff out like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's out of context. It doesn't mean anything. All I will say will
2: all. All I will say about Gronkowski is, uh, he can't really comment because, yes, he's won a Super Bowl, but he's never been the MVP of the league, so he wouldn't know what it felt like or what it would feel like. Um, I don't know. Sometimes, though, sometimes though, selfish people just care about themselves and and champions crave championships. I, I would say Rodgers is a championship quarterback. I wouldn't call him he's selfish. He's won a
3: championship.
2: No, I know, I know no, 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 I know. But let's be honest. You're a Packers guy. Yeah. He should have won more than one in Green Bay. Yeah. And he's had a hand in not winning more than one, we like would've... in the last three years, he's been out dueled by Jared Goff, Old Man Brady, and uh, name slipped in my mind, Jared Goff, old Man Brady, and Jimmy Garoppolo in Green Bay. I mean some of that's on Aaron Rodgers.
3: Some yeah, there's no doubt, but also I this is going back a few years, 2014, if Brandon Bostick doesn't drop a bloody onside kick, the Packers are going to the Super Bowl instead of the Seahawks against the Patriots that year. It's true. And there's it's true. A, and like there's a
2: lot of uh, There's a lot of little lot things. of things that can go into. it. You're right. Uh Major League Baseball veteran reliever Araldus Chapman has a few teams interested. Apparently, according to MLB.com, Kansas City, San Diego, Miami are all interested in the services of the 34-year-old lefty champions. Oh, you so could throw a nice heater. That'll be interesting. Uh, Padres are on the blue chase. Padres are loading up, man, because they have nothing else in San Diego with the no NFL. They want to win a championship in one of the nicest parks, like Dan Schulman said yesterday on the show. If you missed it, check it out in podcast form. Um, yeah, so uh, it's going to be very interesting to see uh they they they're going against you Big
3: go to Brothers Park. Park this
2: summer. I do want to go. I, mean, I guess this summer is not a good time. No, it's not right good for now. me. I can't go in the summer. Maybe late fall World Series. Maybe. We'll take some of your sweet, sweet Sean Kleisinger operating, co-hosting money, and you can uh, pay for us to go. uh, You got lots, right? I I can't Well, geez, I'm giving you a ride home. The least you could do is take me to San Diego for a World Series game. Yeah, that's not going to happen. By the way, I want to point this out. I think you need to take a picture and post it on our socials. Oh, yeah. In honor of our friend John Gregory, you've got the John Gregory 1989 Here, take a picture. Sweater. I am going to take a picture. Stand up. That is an amazing... Stand up. Yeah, that's amazing, Zing. Zing, that that is amazing. Now, okay, now I need you. Move a little bit away from the mic. The kick has just gone through. I want you to jump like John... Hold on. I'm going to videotape it. I want you to jump like John Gregory, remember? With his hands in the air. In three, two, one. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he barely got off the ground, didn't he? I think his vertical was one. I got to stop the video there. I think his vertical was one centimeter. Yeah, that was that was John in slow motion. Yeah, John in slow motion. He just he reached up high to the Sky Dome <laughs> roof as they won the big game. <laughs> what a sight this video yes. is. <laughs> hey, coming up on the other side of the break here, we get our first guest on the Western Pizza Hotline. That would be Drew Sim. We'll also hear from Guelph Griffins head football coach Ryan Shehan. You ask why. Good Canadian coach, and he's got his fingerprints on a number of Rough Rider players uh, that have passed through the gates here in the last little bit, many of them still on the team. Lots to get to on the show. Chad Kelly of the Argonauts after 430, and Jeremy O'Day, your general manager of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at 505. 936 6262, the number to text or call locally if you want to talk some sports.
0: It's time to step into the Radio Octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. I i have got the looks. The are cool. While I've got the
2: moves. And Here with Regina Soli Drew Sim. Drew, thanks for taking time out of your schedule, man. Uh, First off, what kind of equipment do you use? And have you used the same equipment for a while?
4: Uh, I use Bauer equipment now, and uh, <clears throat> I switched from CCM in the bubble year, so I'm on uh, year three in Bauer gear.
2: Okay, did you do it in the off season? The reason I bring this up: Jack Campbell of the Oilers made a goaltending equipment switch mid-season in the NHL. I watched the game last night. He went to catch a puck; and went right through his glove. How did you do yours mid-season? How tough would that be?
4: Uh. No, I more did mine uh, in the off season. I was just wearing some demo gear for pretty much that whole off season, and then um, ordered in the whatever kind of demo gear I wanted, just the team colors. So um, I've never had a mid season switch personally, but uh, yeah, I would assume it's tough. I think it would almost be more of a mindset thing. But yeah, he's been struggling a little bit, kind of. Yeah. I think he's just kind of looking for uh, any way to switch things up right now.
2: How how long does it take you to get used to equipment? I mean, we it, it, people take that for granted, but it's not easy. You know, you're used to using the same glove, the same blocker.
4: Uh, yeah, for me, uh, I don't like to change things up a lot. So I pretty much get the same stuff every year, and it takes about a week or two to get it broken how I like it. So um, the kind of new gear thing for me isn't a huge problem anymore.
2: All right. So, uh, what's a game day like for you? If you're very routine and you don't like to change things up, Drew Sim, what does a game day look like for you?
4: Uh, yeah. So if we come to the rink, uh, we would normally come to the rink around like 10 o'clock ish. Um, I'll come in, uh, do my, do some stretch work, get loose, uh, just kind of get moving in the morning and then, uh, head home, hang out for a couple hours and, uh, Sleep for from about one thirty to three fifteen ish, and then uh, go down, eat my pregame meal at about three thirty, and then it's shower, get changed, and uh, head to the rink and go through my pregame routine.
2: Now, are you like the regular hockey guys? You wear a suit, and if so, how many suits do you got, Drew Sim?
4: Yeah, uh, big suit guy. I believe I have. Four, five
2: now. Wow. So if you're so if you on a heater, like say you're in net for three straight games and you've won three straight, you're playing great. Do you wear the exact same suit, exact same to the game?
4: Uh, I try not to be superstitious like that. Uh, I try and take those beliefs away. I think it just kind of gets into your own head. But uh, I will say last weekend I wore the same suit to uh, both games just because of how it went. So. Yeah. A little bit.
2: All right. So uh, you got three assists on the season. That's more points than some of the guys in your team. Do you do you rib them about that? Is it something that you hang your hat on? Like, is it cool to see yourself in the stat sheet besides saves?
4: Uh, yes and no. Obviously, um, I like playing the puck, and uh, there's a benefit uh, for it, and I believe it uh, helps out our demon. And um, the less our demon are getting hit, the more they can do for me. So... Uh, me playing the puck is just a part of that. So um, every once in a while when it comes up, uh, I get ribbon guys about it, but I don't bring it up on the daily. <laughs> you
2: you got to watch because they can still whiz pucks by your head in practice, right? Uh, yeah,
4: Drew, exactly.
2: Drew Sim joining me here. I think I've asked you this before, but let's reiterate it. I mean, hey, it never gets old. What's it like? How much, actually, better way to put it, Facing Connor Bedard or Svozal or Suze Delev, how much does that make you a better goalie when you face them in practice every day?
4: Uh, it does. It's like miracle work. I'm um, seeing um, three NHL-level shots with guys that have uh, unlimited hockey sense. It's unbelievable, too. Even watching it to be a part of every day. Yeah. Um, I don't know if many people saw it, but uh, we posted a video... Uh, We were doing a shootout last week, I believe, and Benzie and Suze were just embarrassing us, the goalies in the shootout, for about 10 minutes straight. So (laughs) that does nothing but make you better, even though it is probably the most annoying thing ever when they scored probably 50 and 20 goals in a row.
2: I want to break a few sticks. Hey, so let me ask you this. The greatest player in the game right now, Connor McDavid, said he is against the shootout. he liked to see three on three. As a goalie, are you in favor of gassing the shootout and just going three on three? Because personally, I love three on three. That was a great change to hockey.
4: Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, like, three on three has done nothing but good for the game. And uh, having um, just that kind of element that factor of end chances obviously isn't as fun for the goalies as it is the players and for the fans to watch. But um I've I haven't really thought about it a lot, uh losing the shootout. Um I think you'd have to find some sort of way to settle a game if it does end up yeah. um past overtime right like you can't have ties. Yeah. yeah. But um I do agree with McDavid a little bit. Uh, the one-on-one in a team sport kind of is a lesser way to win a game in a sense, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't thought about it too much.
2: Lastly, Drew, I know you got to go to practice and get into a workout, but I want to ask you this, uh, what's going right for this team right now? You've won three in a row on home ice, nice little heater against quality opponents, and you got a big weekend against Swift Current.
4: Uh, yeah, uh, the boys are hot. Uh, we we're all saying that after uh, the Portland game, um, we're doing a lot of things right, a lot of the little things right, right now. And, um, yeah, we're just, uh, getting those guys back was a big boost for our team in our room. Um, brought some positive vibes back and obviously added a lot more skill into our lineup, which puts depth throughout our lineup and, uh, guys don't have to take on as big as a role. So having those guys back and then, uh, having some of our younger guys taking a little bit of a lesser role and being able to, control more than what they can control and do the little things right has only helped
2: this has been fun drew continued success all right thank you
4: yeah thank you
3: 330 with your sports ticker for bronco plumbing and heating where professional service is guaranteed they'll treat you right give them a call at 7812090 the Vikings and Pro Bowl wide receiver Justin Jefferson are expected to have contract talks this offseason but as of today the two sides have not yet begun any negotiations per source bills offensive coordinator uh, Ken Dorsey will interview with Carolina this weekend for their head coaching job per source Dorsey was the Panthers quarterback's coach uh, during their Super Bowl run a few years back well i guess that's more than a few years now uh, the New York Jets are currently meeting with Former Denver Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett for their offensive coordinator uh, position, per sources. And uh, NHL News, the Montreal Canadiens, their general manager, Ken Hughes, is interested in locking up forward Cole Caulfield to a long-term contract, he said on Wednesday. (sighs) Skatchewan Rush Forward, number 18, Marshall Pallas. He had three assists this past Friday night in Colorado as the rush came up short, eleven to ten the final. Marshall, you guys are now two and two on the season with another bye coming up this weekend. And then though, you're back at the Sastel Center for the first time in nearly a month on the twenty-eighth. We'll be taking on the Las Vegas Desert Dogs. You must be ready to get back inside the Sastel Center, huh?
5: Yeah, for sure. You know, we got the best fans in the league and uh, playing in front of them gets us really pumped up and gives us uh, a bit of an advantage over our um, opponents. And um, I think it's what we need to bounce back from last weekend.
3: Yeah, so Marshall, you're set to turn 23 in the summer. You're born out east in Ontario. Was lacrosse always the main sport that you played growing up or was there a few others?
5: Uh, Yeah, lacrosse is the main sport I've always played. Um, I tried a couple different sports. I tried hockey for a year and then I also... uh, used to do archery and uh, boxing as well
3: nice so what attracted you to lacrosse over the other sports
5: it's such a big sport and um on six nations reserve which is where i live and um it's just uh everybody plays it um it's and it's kind of a family thing too as well like my whole Mm -hmm. family played it so naturally i was drawn towards it and wanted to be uh like my older older brother and like my older um cousins and uncles as well
3: so it's kind of a family, thing With Marshall Palace, number 18 on the Saskatchewan Rush, drafted seventh overall in the 2020 NLL draft. And Marshall, what were your emotions like, man, in that moment, knowing that you were headed to the NLL? Where were you when you found out? Were you expecting Saskatchewan to be the team to take you?
5: Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so I was at my uh, at my house. It was uh, during COVID, so I uh, okay. didn't actually have, like, a um, draft. But it was all over Zoom and everything. Uh, I was really fortunate. Uh, my girlfriend set up a big... uh Kind of like a big party at my house and had a, um, had it on the screen outside and we had, uh, pizza wings, everything. My, uh, family was there. Yeah. Derek Keenan, uh, um, called me the couple of days before and, uh, kind of said that he wanted to take me at number seven. And I talked to a couple of different teams, but I was hoping, um, that. You know, I, was, I went to Saskatchewan, and I was fortunate enough to get picked there.
3: How come Saskatchewan was the team that you wanted to be picked by?
5: this uh, because in the past years, if you ever watched them play, it was like like uh, they they have structure. Everybody, everybody in the offense gets um, involved, and in it. it's a team oriented, um, I guess, uh, club. So. Yeah. Um, that's I was a pumped to go there.
3: Well, I'll tell you what, Rush fans are happy to have you in the green and black, my friend. Good luck against them desert dogs next Saturday. Alrighty, Thank you so much for having me. That's Marshall Palace of the Saskatchewan Rush.
0: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And welcome back
2: to the show here, the sports cage from the corner of 12th and Rose. And, uh, we're headed out in the Western pizza hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western pizza. And, you know, I love sports in general, but the world of football because of the people you meet, uh, whether that's, uh, the people you interview, the people who coached you, the kids you coach, when your kid's going on a recruiting trip and he meets different coaches, like my next guest, the head coach of the Guelph Griffins, Ryan Shahan. Hello, my friend.
6: Michael, how are you? Thanks for having me on the show.
2: Last time we were face-to-face, you weren't married yet, and you didn't have any kids. Now you're married, you have two kids. A lot happens in three-plus years.
6: Yes, sir. Yes, sir, indeed. You know, it's great. I remember, like yesterday, I had your your wonderful son here on campus for his recruiting trip. Uh, You know, we had him circled as one of the premier talented kids in the country, I guess we knew we were talking about since he's now playing in the NCAA, but you're correct. I was not married. I was, uh, on uh you know for the fans out there you know his uh, michael's son great player great young man uh, he's gonna have a great football career in my opinion and as I drove his lad to the airport I was on my way to propose to my now wife and this is a pre-pandemic time and now we are married and have two beautiful daughters so yes a lot has happened in three years so I know' hey, it, great catching up with you yeah
2: that's awesome catching up with you and I'll read between the lines besides prepping for football because I know you're a football junkie you were busy doing other things so I'm glad you used your pandemic time well this is a family show we'll move right along the reason I kind of got you on here is I'm a big advocate of Canadian football I think the C in the CFL is the biggest thing it's the most important thing and you have your fingerprints on a lot of guys in the CFL in your time being an assistant coach OC over there in Calgary with the Dinos now coaching with your dad the great Pat Sheehan there at Guelph Uh, you're the head coach and he's uh, beside you uh, uh, steering the ship in the back We'll talk about that in a second. But you just look at our roster here at the Riders. A.J. Allen, who I had on not that long ago. What a great kid. You got Kean Schaefer-Baker, Jake Hardy, Logan Bandy, Mike Edam, you had a, a hand in coaching, although he was on the defensive side of the ball. Micah Tites. Like there's a lot of guys uh, on Yaka. There's just a lot of guys here with the Rough Riders alone that you've had your fingerprints on.
6: It just goes to show that, uh, you know, in coaching, you come across some great, great players who, uh, but tremendous work ethic, talent, and character. Uh, those Calgary years were special years, and I was fortunate enough to come here and, you know, uh, for A.J. Allen's last two years, you know, Kian Schaefer-Baker's senior year, Kosi Onyeka's final two years, you know, just some great guys that really uh, were the backbone of some really good years here in Guelph in 2019 and 2021. So happy for all those guys, uh, thrilled that they're, you know, chasing and living the dream in pro football, and they get to do it in a place like Regina, where, you know, football is everything it seems from a fan's perspective.
2: Yeah. Do they legitimately, I don't know how much you talk to those guys because you're like a surrogate father for like 70, 80 kids. And those kids turn over year after year. It's the interesting thing about being a coach, but do you stay in touch with those guys? And if so, how do they like playing football here from, you know, their perspective to you?
6: It's funny. I, I reached out to Kean uh, just to congratulate him because he's getting some uh, workouts south of the border. Uh, in his words, he feels truly blessed for the opportunity he has to play in Regina. AJ Allen seems to be enjoying himself too. I'm looking forward to seeing him at our team awards night, uh, next weekend, uh, January 28th, uh, here in Guelph. So it'd be great to catch up with him. And you know, it was a bye week. Uh, you know, they all dropped back into the facility. They came here, got a workout in, you know, reconnected with some of their old teammates, so. They're definitely loving life in the prairie
2: uh, people ask me about uh, you know NCAA and I say, listen, Guelph uh, there's a kid that contacted me uh, Tom Rodahuskers, a big receiver out of Alberta and he's coming down to visit you guys I think this weekend and I said, you know what uh, NCAA uh, Guelph would be as close to an NCAA facility as I've seen, and I'm not you know I love Canadian football, youth sports football very important, so I was telling him you guys run a run a good ship there, but I want to ask you this how important is it? from your perspective that we have these Canadian stars in the Canadian Football League in terms of keeping interest and keeping programs like yours alive. Like, I realize not everybody that plays U Sports Football is going to be pro or even wants to be pro, but you have to have that dream for kids, right?
6: Yeah, I agree with you, and I think it's all important that the Canadian talent uh, continues to develop That uh, either especially in our country, but if they're fortunate enough to go and get a chance in the NC2A, I mean, where I'm never one to stand in their way. Uh, I, I think it's important for the growth of our game to continue to, uh, you know, coach these guys, give them chances. Hey, look, when we have training camp, you know, we kind of get it out of the way quickly. We ask a quick question. How many guys in the room here want to play pro football? And shoot, a hundred hands go up in the air. So the, the kids are still living and chasing that dream. That they had, since they were little kids. And, they love watching the game on TSN they love to stay engaged and it's great to see guys move on from Guelph Calgary you know UBC Western Laval and go on and get a chance and uh, and live that dream so it's it's motivational uh, on all fronts but from the player's perspective and from the coach's perspective continue to do everything we can to support these young men so they can go on and have a chance uh, to live that dream they had when they were kids.
2: Listen, we can't compare ourselves to NCAA or the NFL because uh, they they just have different priorities down there in terms of their resources. Now I know things could be different at different schools. I know you have a you know a couple of pretty good backers there at Guelph, and there are more established schools. But where I'm going with this is, um, you know, you look at Canadian football. What do we need to do at the U Sports level to make these guys? M- kind of more names, more star power? Because that's really where the NFL benefits. By the time a lot of these guys get to the NFL, people already know who they are. How do we how do we make the product better in terms of even off-field for, for guys that you're coaching and for your level of football?
6: My observation as a young person that uh, grew up around university football programs, then was a university football player, and then an assistant coach, uh, then a coordinator, and now a head coach who... You know even at one time or another dipped his toe in the waters of the CFL just for a brief ham sandwich is that there's lots of there's lots of technical coaches in Canada doing right by their players doing right by their programs you know they're they're supporting them they're recruiting them they're coaching them they're mentoring them and they're getting them ready for that chance I think that uh, an investigative lens needs to be used to evaluate the business model How do we, in some fashion, get ourselves in somewhat of a position where there is local media coverage, there is national media attention? It just doesn't seem like there is a business model in place where there is a U-sports game of the week. That's on, you know, global CBC, TSN, Sportsnet, where you can turn on the television on uh, a Thursday, Friday, or a Saturday night or afternoon and watch a university game and get to know some of the Key and Schaefer, Bakers and AJ Allens of the world, and then watch them as they go through the system. The United States seems to do an impeccable job of tracking these three, four, five-star athletes through high school, into junior college and colleges, and into the big game and into the draft and They've been fans of these guys for years, so... If there's anybody out there that can help us kind of fix the business of university football, uh, I think that there's there's one giant step that we could take as a game.
2: And, and and therein lies the problem because in hockey we do that here. But what's funny, Ryan, I think you'd agree with me. Canadian a- Canadian people probably have a better chance. Their kids, you know, I want my kid. You know, people have dreams. They live vicariously through their kids, right or wrong. Oh, I'd love to see my kid be a pro athlete. Now, the NHL in our country, that's where the dollars are. CFL, not so much. But I'll tell you what, you can earn a decent living and have a decent star attraction, being a pro-Canadian football player, and you have a better chance of doing that than being an NHL player.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know no question. You seem to be circling all around us, and uh, maybe there's kindred spirits like you and me out there, but I'm wired like this. Uh, if you put a TV camera, you know in downtown Calgary and you showed me St. Francis versus Notre Dame or Ernest Manning on a Friday night or you showed me uh, Miller versus Laboldis on a Friday night, or uh, Vanier versus Lennoxville on a Friday night, I would watch that. I would watch a nationally televised high school junior or CEGEP game any day of the week because I love our country, I love our game, I love seeing the stars of tomorrow go out there and shine and see how they handle the big moments. They seem to do a great job of it south of the border, and I I wish all of our young people had that opportunity here because I I would
2: tune in. Your dad is like a, a Steve Spurrier, a Bobby Bowden of U Sports, uh, one of the greats, Pat Sheehan, and he's coaching with you now. What's it like having dad kind of as a, I don't know, would he be an associate head coach, an assistant head coach? You're the guy, but what's it like you being the guy and he's kind of your sidekick?
6: It's it's a lot of fun. I mean, it kind of kind of fell right back into the old groove as I was his assistant between... 2008 and 2014 uh, with a small uh, layover in Hamilton for one year uh, and th- that's really where I learned to coach. Uh, so it's great to have him here as the offensive line coach assisting me and Coach Saria on offense. Uh, it- it's great to see him do his thing when he doesn't have to worry about all the things that head coaches have to worry about. We just get to see the passionate, brilliant uh, football mind and his uh, continued passion to help develop young men at this level we kind of fell right back into the old groove real quick, and it's obvious that he still has a lot to give our great game. So the Guelph Griffins are fortunate to have him. I'm lucky to have him. Our staff, our department, our institutions, lucky to have him. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we've got some bright days ahead in this hopefully his last chapter of his football coaching career.
2: It's been great talking to you, man. Great catching up. A continued success in the off-season recruiting, and a good luck next year. We'll be in touch. Thank you, sir. You take care.
4: All the best.
0: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage.
2: Get a hold of us nine three six sixty two sixty two. We're asking a random question: your favorite wrestling theme. Let's head out and ask John Ryan on the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast. Western Pizza, Regina football royalty, Super Bowl champ. Were you a wrestling guy growing up? I, the reason I bring this up, I just have a weird feeling something's going to go down in wrestling this week. Like somebody could die or something. And I, w- I went down the whole YouTube rabbit hole with like wrestling theme yeah. songs and stuff. Did you, did you have a favorite wrestling theme song or something?
7: Yeah, well, my, my, my WWF genre was like late 80s. So okay, I was yeah. I was full on Hulk Hogan. Like yeah. absolutely yeah. fully sold on Hulk Hogan. He was he was my hero for about a year and a half in the the late eighties.
2: Yeah. Did you get pumped when the ultimate warrior would run down and shake the ropes too?
4: Definitely. Yeah.
7: Uh, well, my brother and I reenacted all those entrances in uh, our parents' living room many times.
2: Did you so did, did when you guys did wrestle were like did you beat him up pretty good?
7: Uh, I don't think so. I think we were always pretty, uh, Pretty good brotherly love, you know. We knew how far to take it when we wrestled. Mm-hmm. We used to be stopped at a certain point, so it never got uh, too carried away. I'm
2: gr- I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot about him. Brother love, remember brother love? He was like the <laughs> Televan <laughs> brother love. Remember him? <laughs> oh, yeah, I yeah. love you.
7: Was, in my opinion, that was like the really the golden age of wrestling, wasn't that, it? Yeah, that's it? That's because right, that's know.
2: because we didn't we we kind of knew it was fake, but we didn't know it was fake. They ruined it all when they told us it was fake didn't they
7: uh, i had a i i still remember where i was a neighbor kid told me it was fake and it was more hurtful to me for me than when i found out santa claus was fake like he was i was devastated for weeks i remember the summer i met, i actually remember exactly where i was this was probably like 1988 and i still remember the moment
2: Ooh, yeah. okay so let's
7: so let's get to this
2: john ryan went n-o-d and you'll say what do you mean John Ryan was an N.O.D. guy. Sure, he went to school in Sheldon, but he was north of the tracks in the tough side of town. So what does he do? Naturally, he buys a high A ball club just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. That is N.O.D. if I've ever heard it.
7: (laughs) Yeah, I drove my Trans Am all the way here.
2: (laughs) So tell me about that. Was it the Lake County Captains? They're a high A affiliate of the uh, Cleveland Guardians. Just talk about that.
7: Yeah, it's uh, you know we we got involved in uh, baseball ownership about eight years ago with the Portland Pickles, uh, and then we kind of branched out by the independent professional team in Texas. It was kind of uh, my dream all along to have an affiliated team. That's kind of uh, the the top of the echelon in uh, minor league sports. So uh, this opportunity came up, and we've been working to close this deal for thirteen months now. And it's just uh, it's a great opportunity. And we're kind of looking forward to getting uh, going headfirst into it. Yeah, but wait a minute, wait a
2: minute. We're trying to get a new ballpark in downtown Regina, okay? Sean Kleisinger, right here across the board from me. He is the public address announcer. We're trying to get it at the rail yards, right in downtown Regina. John Ryan, local guy, who's given back to the community. How about you become the owner of the Regina Red Sox?
7: My my phone's on. My phone is on. Uh the the ownership group there now, but thought Gary Bratzel does a great job and uh I've uh I've done some stuff stuff with them, uh mm-hmm. in banquets and whatnot a couple times. Yes, and, we uh, did it they together. they do a great job, but they deserve a new ballpark 100%, and I really hope it happens sooner than later because it's well overdue. Uh, yeah. The ballpark they're playing in right now is, is, you know, let's be honest, it's it's old and it's run down, they need something new. Uh,
2: a long time ago I asked you this, but uh, I know at one point you wanted, you were looking at being an agent for sports, maybe a baseball agent. Well, like, you don't seem like a, no offense, I don't know if there's really a, the average <laughs> baseball fan I think is, uh, his age or her age is about 50, 51. It's trending older, but, what do you like about Why baseball? What do you like about it? Zinger loves baseball, too. I'm just a casual fan, basically, when my team's good, and that happens every, like, 25 years.
7: Right. No, I, I just love the game. You know, I think uh, just watching it is such a different experience than football. You know, it's a, just a completely different uh, uh, fan experience. Uh, with that being said, when I started going to minor league games, I kind of fell inside with the business side of it, the promotions, uh, all the different things you can do at the ballpark to make it a different experience every night. And that's kind of what we're really leaning into and what we've done with the pickles. Now we're going to do here in Lake County is just, uh, just create a completely different experience every single night through, uh, you know, different different promotions in the ballpark. And so, you know, it's you love
2: one. Zinger and I were talking about this yesterday because I tried to lo- – we're in the off-season here. You know the NFL. You played in it for a number of years, won a Super Bowl, like I said, John Ryan. There's no off-season. There's the season, then there's the hot stove season, and then, there, you know, the combine, free agency, and then OTAs, and then right back into the season. In the CFL, we end the Grey Cup, and then, like, we tried to reach out to two CFL teams yesterday – And they both said, or two days ago, and they both said, we're not doing any interviews until closer to training camp. Like, that that's the thing about, I don't think the game is broken. I don't think we need all these wacky new rules or anything. We got a great game. I think our game itself is better than the NFL game. They just got the promotion side down. We really have to hunker down on that here in the CFL.
7: Big time, you know. Initially, uh, you know, the Great Cup's over, and then you don't hear anything about the great, uh, about the, the CFL until training camp in May. You know, I think that's what the NFL's done such a good job of. Is you know, we're in playoffs right now. When that's done, everyone will start talking about the draft right away, and then the, the you know, then or the combine, on the draft, and as you said, know, just keeps on going and going, and it really has fans engaged twelve months of the year. where the CFL is really dropping the ball in that department. I mean, it's literally. Six months, seven months a year, people just forget about the CFL and the way that uh, the way that life is right now. You don't have that time to just uh, be be forgotten about because some people are going to find something else. And right now, they're finding the NFL if if they're uh, football fans. And I think that's uh, oh, man it's really unfortunate because, as you said, I think it's I think it's the best sport in the world, Canadian football. And uh, it's just uh, sometimes that makes me annoyed and a little bit peed off, Yeah. off uh, of what's going on with it.
2: OK, so let me ask you, this Russell Wilson this year, you were an old teammate of his. I don't know how much you had to do with him. Did, what's he like? Because he's being kind of painted as a selfish guy, as a
7: me, me guy.
2: Uh, is that the Russell sure. Wilson you knew?
7: I, I never saw him as selfish, not, not at all, to be honest. Um, I think some people uh, might think differently, some guys that we even played with. Um, I think that he was everything was very rehearsed with Russ. Uh, you know, he's kind of, some people say, robotic. Uh, and I, you know, as as a, a guy that uh, plays with, played with him, I think that's what I want out of my quarterback. You know, I don't want my quarterback to be a, a wild card. I want my quarterback to be a little robotic. And, and that's what he is. And I think sometimes that comes across a little bit phony or and fake. Mm. And I think uh, right now that's what the people are talking about. Okay, we got four
2: games. Let's get to them quickly. Jags at the Chiefs. I mean, Jags are a nice story. It's more what the Chargers didn't do than what they did do. But they had to come back. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, I just don't, I think they'll mow them over. What do you think?
7: Yeah, just too strong. If the Jags come out like we did last uh, last week in the first half, it'll be it'll be seventy nothing by halftime. Uh, if the Jags come out and they're the they play like they did in the second half, it could be a good game. But I think the KC just has too much.
2: That's really the, a good point. We mentioned it, Zinger and I. If Belichick or Andy Reid's coaching the Chargers last week, the Jags are dead. Like they are totally dead. They might get blown out fifty to nothing.
7: Yeah, they, they really have no shot. I mean, when you're up twenty-seven nothing at half. Uh, I mean, you got uh, to be able to coach your way to a victory there all a doubt.
2: Well, he got to keep his job. He fired some other guys, Staley. But anyways, it's a story for another day. Uh, the coach of the year, Brian Dable, has Daniel Jones rolling over that pathetic Vikings defense. Can he do it against the Eagles?
7: No, no, it's too much. The Eagles are too strong. Uh, I think we kind of finally, I think we talked about earlier that the Vikings might have been a little bit of pretenders. A, a 13-win pretender, but it uh, it was exposed last week. And, Uh, The Giants are good, but I don't think they have enough to uh, upset the Eagles.
2: I think Josh Allen really misses his old OC, Brian Dable. He's not playing buttoned up football. Like, they can hit a home run on offense, they've got talent, but they also are sloppy. The only thing is the Bengals are banged up on the O line. Who do you like in that game? Bills, Bengals. That could be the best one of the weekend, actually.
7: Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, the Chiefs are a team of destiny. I think, you know, everything that's gone on in Buffalo in the last uh, few months, it's It's theirs to win, and uh, it'll be the feel-good story of the year. But I honestly, I think we're going for an upset this week. I'm going with the Bengals.
2: I yeah, think the Bengals are going to win? I hope you're right, because that's kind of the team I'm jumping I'm jumping on the Jags and the Bengals. They're, they're both the, the only two teams I like left. And uh, <laughs> they also have a cheap owner, just like the Chargers owner. So I'm kind of – they're that's actually right. for the first – they're the only team without an indoor practice facility, and they're finally building one, the Bengals, because they got to the Super Bowl last year. And lastly, we got the NFC Classic matchup. How, da- how about them Cowboys against the San Francisco 49ers? I don't know man. I don't like the Cowboys. I don't really like the Niners, but I got the Cowboys rolling in this game. I think they're going to win.
7: I I actually re- agree with you. These were uh, I was going to with the, the both Sunday game were games were going to be upsets. Um Purdy has been an absolutely great story. Uh, I've been really impressed with him. Uh he's uh, you know, he's going to be, you know, the story of the year in terms of, uh, of a of a of a no one that came out of nowhere. But I'm I'm going to go with you. I think it's going to be the Cowboys.
2: Yeah, that's what I think, too. Anyway, interesting times. The big baseball mogul, John Ryan. Next, he'll buy an NFL team. You just watch, right, John?
7: That's that's not in the cards unless I win a couple
2: of lotteries here. (laughs) Hey, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. That's John Ryan joining us. Football royalty. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? He said his phone is on. His phone is on, on, folks. His phone is on, Regina Red Sox. How about John Ryan, owner of the Regina Red Sox, with a new ballpark? Wouldn't that be awesome? So let me take a moment and think about this. Think about that. Think about Oh, uh, the smell of hot dogs on Dudney. Oh, mm. boy. And John Ryan paying your check to announce. Give me an announcement for the Red Sox. Ladies Go.
3: and gentlemen, your new owner
0: of the Regina Red Sox, John Ryan. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is The Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball.
2: Time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. One of our favorite guests, Bob Stoffer from the Oilers Radio Network, and you see him in the intermissions on Sportsnet. Uh, how often do you got to bite your lip when uh, when uh, your buddy there, Gene Principe, is doing all those uh, the play on words and everything like that, like he tried to do in the intermission with uh, behind. They were behind because Fogel was on his behind scoring the goal.
8: You know what? Humor is a very subjective thing. I think we all realize <laughs> that. You probably live with that on a daily basis yeah. on your shows. So
5: yeah.
8: I'm from the south side of the city. Gene's on the north side of the city. And believe me, I make mention of the fact that I think his humor is found to be more appealing on the north side than it is on the <laughs> south side.
2: <laughs> okay, let's talk. What isn't funny is the way the Oilers are playing. They're playing great, but I am going to say this. Does a goalie struggle that much with equipment? Jack Campbell was pretty good, and then that flutter ball goes through his glove again.
8: Well, that's what's what's crazy here is he's using a different set of equipment. So uh, earlier this season, uh, the Oilers had a bad afternoon game against the Dallas Stars, and uh, Dallas that night stayed at Edmonton and had their rookie party. Mm. So they were going to make sure that they were going. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to. You want to make sure. You're not in a position where you're having to play guilty a little bit later on, so you secure the win. But Colin Miller fired a shot from outside of center or around center ice, and Campbell went to glove it, and it went through the webbing of his glove into the He ended up switching uh, about six weeks ago uh, from Bonds to Bryan's. Bryan's is sort of the state of the art, uh, te- you know, goaltending technology equipment wise. The way I can explain this. And I am a truly horrendous golfer, Michael, but Me too. You know, I'll tell you that we, we all know that there's, you know, there's there's drivers that 15 years ago were the cutting edge and, and now they've been replaced by new and improved equipment for guys at golf. Extend that metaphor for what happens with goaltending equipment. So I was, so there I mentioned it during the second intermission and then first body faces on, goal yeah. on the third. It goes right through his... I, I, you know, I think it, a little bit had to do with the, the angle that he had his uh, glove hand at. But I, 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 I'm i old school when it comes to goaltenders. Goalie, stop the puck and never show up your teammates. I'll say this about Jack. He'll never show up his teammates. Um, but I do think that he's settled down a bit. The orders have played a little bit better defensively here. Yes, they're scoring goals. Uh, but they might be having a... Uh, An internal solution alleviate what was a perceived problem in the organization. And it's also sort of making Ken Holland look a tad prophetic. And that's Philip Broberg. Uh, he's, you know, he's played about 16 minutes a game over the last five games. He's plus eight. Uh, he can really skate. He was the Oilers first round pick in 2019, eighth overall. He had a series of injuries, a couple of them, uh, frankly, a little bit bizarre in the fall this year but the plan was in the off season for him to be here from day one and playing every game. He's finally up and running and combined with the recall of six foot, six and a half Vincent DeHarnay on the right side, the orders going 11 and seven. The teams looked a little bit different here of late.
2: Yeah. That big defenseman, I'll tell you what, what a seventh round pick. He's already been a success story. If you ask me, he's looking pretty good out there.
8: You know, Michael, it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, he, he hasn't been handed anything like, he, you know, he was he he went, you know, played the full four years in the NCAA at Providence. Did not get signed to an NHL deal when he finished school. Or worked his way up from an American Hockey League deal to an NHL deal. He and James Hamlin, who might be here next year on a full time basis as a fourth line center. Uh, those two guys went from AHL deals to NHL deals. And DeHarnay, when you. You know, I went into Bakersfield last year when I was in COVID jail in in the United States. I thought at Chicago, I had to stay there five days, couldn't come back to Canada for another six more days, so I went to Bakersfield. Vincent D'Harnay was head and shoulders, uh, Bakersfield's best defenseman the night I saw him play. Like, it wasn't even close. He led the American League in plus-minus. There's a different type, you know, you and me grew up in a time in which hard-nosed, tough defensive defenseman probably fought eight to ten times a year racked up 100 to 125 penalty minutes in a season. It, it's, it's a different game now, but those, those bigger bodies, you know, it's uh, they've got the long arms. You know, you got to kind of fight. He's got a huge wingspan. The thing that surprised me at this level is he's better with the puck than I thought he was going to be. Like, I thought he'd be better than Nemo Linen On the left side, a little bit better puck skills, but he has shown considerably better puck movement through the first four games. He challenged Keegan Colzer to a fight against Vegas the other night in a game in which he broke his nose in the first period. He got elbowed, and he got clipped in the nose. Big body has a chance to play a while. Two years ago, the Oilers were in on a a D-man that's with Dallas by the name of Yanni Hockenbaugh. He's represented by Edmonton's Jerry Johansson. And two years later, they might have their own Yanni Hockenbaugh and Vincent D'Arnais.
2: Yeah, that's great. This is Bob Stoffer, color commentator on the Oilers Radio Network. I'm on a group chat with my uh, cousin and my son, and they're like, Hmm. Weird, t- weird, uh, little, uh, tweet going out from somebody with, uh, Yessi Pugliarvi in the Bruins lineup. And then Marchant uh, is in the, in the Twitter chain going, shh, uh, anything up with that? Like what's going on here? He was a healthy uh, that, scratch.
8: Wow. Well, is that, was that, I, I don't know. That was a little odd. Um, uh, I, I do believe that Boston at times, like here's the thing with Pugliarvi, uh, it hasn't worked here this year, this season. It's, it's, it's kind of weird because, you know, during the 2021 season, when the Orders played with David Dreisettle and Nugent Hopkins at center, they didn't do it all the time, but when they did, Edmonton's best winger option was, yes, pull the And it just, he's had a miserable season. You know, he's got, the worst plus minus on the team before the argument was, well, you know, he helps look at the expectant goal stat. I don't know how much of a conversation you have with people with, you know, analytics and those sort of things on your show, but yeah. we have, you know, they, they, <laughs> they tend to be, they, uh, they're not old school. They believe in analytics and you better be woke or else. That's yeah. kind of their attitude. Like it's, if you don't, and I, I, I see a little, you know, as, as a guy who believes that critical thought is important, uh, which means sometimes you have to understand that people are going to have completely differing views in you. And that's okay that we don't agree on everything in life. You know, it makes for good debate. I think we've sort of raised a generation where they don't want that debate. And that has, for me, been part of the, the challenge with the analytics community. It's like, if you don't think like us, you're a complete idiot. And I'm like, well, if you're trying to tell me that Jesse Pugliarby makes Connor McDavid a better player. Yeah. I'm here to tell you, Connor McDavid's a guy that makes other people better players. So, Paul Yarby always had pretty good analytics until this season. It's just everything's cratered on him. Um, You know, I, I think we all know that this will, one way or the other, likely be the last year that he's here in Edmonton. I don't know what's going to happen in terms of where he gets moved to. I, I don't have that answer for you at this time. What I will tell you is at this time, when the orders go 11-7 and seven with the return of Banner Kane, yes, has some on the outside looking in.
2: Well, that's what I'm go. That's where I'm going with my last question here. It's a two-parter. Kane once his hands catch up to his feet and the rusts off. the uh, The Oilers might be able to outscore a lot more of their mistakes at the other end of the ice because uh, this is kind of like last year when they add him right around the same time. Only this time, the injury, so it's like a big free agent signing. But that also uh, is going to have to do. You have to have an interesting calculator is what I'm saying with regards to the salaries.
8: Well, they, they don't in, uh, for the, until February the 12th. Right. Because on February 12th, that is when Connor Yamamoto is able to come off of LTIR. The, that is uh, Super Bowl Sunday, by the way, in Montreal. And I will tell you that we played about four games in Montreal on Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm quite pleased to hear that we're going to play the game and then stay and watch the Super Bowl and then fly home that night after the Super Bowl game's over. Because <laughs> there's nothing worse not being able to watch the game and trying to find follow it online on the plane now technology has improved and we do have you know uh you know uh, internet on the on the plane now but we don't have video so uh anyhow that is when Yamamoto can come off of LTIR so in fairness the Oilers they've got uh you know they play tomorrow night they take on Tampa Bay second of a back to back for Tampa Bay then they're in Vancouver on Saturday uh Vancouver has Colorado in there Friday night, so Vancouver's playing a back-to-back. And then they get uh, next week Columbus, who are hurting for certain with injury, in Chicago, who have just been miserable. Those are their next four games before they get the uh, all-star break, and then there's CBA-mandated bye week. Then they go on a four-game road trip. At the end of that four-game road trip, the last game in Montreal on the 12th, that's when Yamamoto comes back. So the order's basically have a month. To get this financial situation worked out due to the cap uh, implications that they have. They're right up against it with the activation of Evander Kane from LTIR about six weeks ahead of what was scheduled.
2: All right, lastly, you just mentioned it. So, right now, with eight teams left in the playoffs, Who's playing in that Super Bowl that you're going to be watching in Montreal? If you got to put oh, that sweet, you, sweet, 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 sweet Bob Stauffer money on it, who's playing in the oh, Super man. Bowl? You,
8: well, you give me because you know I, I know you. You know, look, you broadcast football for Eleven. Yeah. If it was NCW, you know, if it was NCAA, I would tell you right now, bet on Georgia or Alabama next season. Like that's, and I was, you know, I'm, I mean, we were at the same hotel in uh, Los Angeles for all the. The national championship game was down there. Yeah. Uh, you know, in Southern California, we, 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 there must have been 25,000 Georgia fans downtown. Yeah. And I was telling a bunch of them, you're going to destroy TCO, TCU. And the only team that could have given you a game was Alabama. Uh, on the, on the NFL front, you know, it's interesting. The Eagles have had a real good year. Jalen Hurts, who played at Alabama and later at Oklahoma has had a good year, but he's come off a bit of an injury and he's not a proven playoff quarterback. That said, I think the Eagles are real good in the box, both on offense and defense. Uh, and also, Philadelphia can run the football. So to me, if you can dominate the offensive line, if you've got the ability to run, if you've got a quarterback who's probably up to the MVP, I'll take the Eagles out of the NFC. Um, AFC. Hmm. I mean, it, it, it's hard to look past the Chiefs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess I'll go with the Chiefs. I mean, it's... They're there every year when they lose by, uh, what was the deal last year, field goal or whatever, final sec, right? Yeah. So I'll say the Eagles and the Chiefs, but I'm going with favorites in both cases. What about you?
2: I'm going, I'd go Bengals if their O-line was healthy, but they got three O-line injuries. I think Buffalo plays too sloppy. They play big, but they play sloppy too. So I'm going with the Chiefs, and I don't like to say this, but I think the Cowboys are going to play in the Super Bowl.
4: Well, they
8: look pretty good. Uh, that said, you know, Tampa Bay couldn't run the football. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is Tom Brady's never been able to beat you with his feet. No. And that's like with the Eagles, that's the thing with Hertz. Like Hertz, Hertz is a mature. What's crazy about the situation, your listeners will laugh at this. Bryce Young made more money this year at Alabama than Jalen Hurts made playing for the Eagles because of the NIL money at Alabama. That's all prolific of a college football market that is, but the ability of a quarterback to run can, you know, can sometime offset as you know, teams that are not great in the box, but the Eagles are a team that's got a real good offensive and defensive line, so I just... I, mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know about the 49ers. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I with
2: Purdy, they're... I don't know. Purdy. I mean, listen, he's doing well. I I don't know. I like. I, people are calling him Joe Montana esque. I don't know. I'm just. I'm in, I think the Cowboys are in a bit of a role here now.
8: How about this? Brock Purdy is younger than Stetson Bennett, the fourth the quarterback.
2: <laughs> of Georgia uh, well, Stetson Bennett was older than, like, he's older than Burrow. He's older than Herbert. Like, it's, it's, cra- it hurts. It's crazy the guys he's older than. Anyway, uh, Bob, thanks for your time. By the way, with that NIL, here's an interesting thing. Canadian players cannot, or even if they were the best team, if they had the best player in the world, Playing on Alabama from Canada. He cannot have an NIL deal
8: right now. So, John Metchie could not have made NIL nope. money when he played in
2: Alabama. Crazy. Nope. Could not happen. Anyways, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it.
8: Anytime. Thanks, bud.
0: You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the sports cage on 620 CKRM. Anybody listening to this damn show? Or could
2: I just go home? Maybe we could just play music. This is the sports cage and it it's three to six o'clock time slot. I know people are listening, but text us, 936-6262, the number to text, or you can call locally 936-6262 or 1-866-767-0620. We got some open time here. Or you can just dance with us. Yeah. yeah, Like you guys wanna talk. Hey, let's talk some let's talk. Some sports. You never let the listeners call in. Well we are right now. We want more guests. We want more talk time. Can't please everybody. I'll talk about not being able to please people. By the way, first off, I'm all over the map here. I heard that little morning promo from Gloria and Cody. Great morning show. Listen, Cody wouldn't get along with my grandpa. My grandpa said, make your bed every day. And Navy SEALs are taught this too. At least you do something right. One thing right. Even if you had the worst day ever, you come home, your bed's made, you did something right. Right. You wow. can go to bed with accomplishing something. So make your damn bed, Cody. The other thing is, Gloria is such a hoarder. She hoards men, apparently now. There's there's seven men in her room. Unbelievable. No wonder she comes in tired every day. Breaking news. Yeah, breaking news. By the but way, what, what by the way, I want to say okay. this. Okay. Go ahead. No, sorry, what? I was just gonna say what makes making your bed. I know you don't like to right. make your bed. Well because you get into bed. Where it's where, made. where is it in the dictionary or it's not. wherever? Well you're lazy. I could tell I am. The, you make your bed, you sit w well, you the whole I don't time sleep in a, in a bed. The, I sleep on a sofa. The whole time why is that? You guys haven't marital you guys haven't marital problem? Not yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well no, but even in LA when I was in your room to do the show, by the way. Uh <laughs> your 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 bed was unmade all the time. Yeah, I know. Drives me nuts. There's two things that got to be clean. if you're going to come into my bedroom,
3: uh, it's
2: just going to be the way it is. Okay. All right. I want to tell you, there's two things that got to be clean in the house. Your bathroom. Oh, the toilet for sure, Your bathroom has to be clean. Your bedroom has to be clean. And your kitchen can't get away on you. That's what frustrates my son living with three roommates. The... Uncleanliness of the bathroom.
3: And no breadcrumbs in the basil. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Or jam. We leave the jam uh, or a little bit of cheese. Yeah. When I'm when I mean a cracker and I want to put butter on my cracker, I don't want your leftover jam on my crackers. Okay. And toe jam in the bathroom. Take care of that. (laughs) Uh, I have an I have an issue with the city of Regina. Can I vent here for one second? Please let me. Am I way off base? And send in a text, nine three six sixty two sixty two. We have not had a terrible winter in terms of snow, okay? And it's been pretty mild here lately. Is this not, under this regime, the worst snow removal we've ever had in the city? Like downtown Regina is an absolute joke. It's still a joke, and we haven't had a meaningful snowfall in weeks. You can get stuck on Dudney, You can get stuck right here on the corner of Twelfth and Rose. Like, uh, excuse, where do the taxes go? I don't think it looks that bad. Out Are there. you drunk? Look at the. There's still ruts in front of the place. Uh, well, not exactly here, but down the street. Listen, you're not getting stuck in that. You don't even have your glasses on. <laughs> look it out front. Look it out front there. Look let me, it right there. Let me put on me Look it on twelfth right there. Oh, that's a bit. That's a, that's bit, a bit slushy. Oh. Yeah, it's slushy now because it's melting. But we we don't we don't remove the snow anymore. Apparently, snow removals may. And I'm not saying that it's just this year. That's hey, kind of their mentality. Long, but it's worse this as year. As long as
3: they do the snow removal and like parking lots and stuff, man, that's all that matters. It matters. Eh? It's hey, by <laughs> the
2: way, you are in, you are enjoying. Regina services. Speaking of paying taxes, uh, the bus service. How are you finding the bus? Oh
3: yeah, big shout out to uh, the Albert Street Express bus number forty. It's going north. It's going south all day long. Big shout out to them. Um, <laughs> How are you liking it? It's, it's not bad. Are I mean, you the
2: weird guy that sits by himself? Anybody sit beside you? What's I'm I have my
3: spot on the bus. It's always it's always at the back to the right. But I'll tell you what, the bus gets a bad rap, man. It does. It gets a bad rap and. I, I'm going to compliment those Good. Th- those people because more times than not that bus is waiting for me.
2: It's on time. It's on time, man. It's your own personal bus. Is there many on the bus when you're going home?
3: Uh, on the way home there is. On the on the way on the way into work though, it's it's just it's, it's just zing. Have you ever
2: fallen asleep and missed your, your stop? No,
3: man, but yesterday actually the bus driver went up to a guy and woke him up and, and was like, that- "Hey man, we're downtown. It's time to wake up." You know, and I was in the back kind of like, you know, (laughs) I was on the edge of my seat watching. I was like, what's going to happen here?
2: People watch. (laughs) Okay. So get this one. My girlfriend and I, when we were in L.A., uh, went down Huntington Beach, okay, where we did our show from down there. Yeah. And we took the bus because it was cheap to take the bus. It wasn't that. Oh, you didn't very, want to
3: pay fifty-five bucks for yeah, an Uber. I know.
2: Believe me, we're working on that. Uh, so we, so we drove. so we had so we little inside joke that everybody else paid fifteen dollars for an Uber Zinger. went ten minutes later, and it cost him fifty-five. <laughs> Bogus. Anyway. We're on the bus, okay? It's like $2.50 or five bucks to ride. So we're driving on the bus, and this guy is sitting behind us, regaling us with stories with his buddies. We could hear about how he partied one night. This is the exact words. I party. Oh, yeah, man. I partied one night, spent $150,000 partying. And I'm like, yeah, that's why you're riding. Uh, (laughs) A Los Angeles transit bus. Yeah, okay. Yeah. mm -hmm. You could probably do a reality show on a bus.
3: How about that other guy that was driving us? Remember the stories he was telling us? One minute he was talking about wrestling gators in a swamp, and the next minute he was talking about going to a local grocery store. (laughs) Man, you were That dude was, I don't, he was on something. You man. were annoyed. Oh, man. And you
2: were mad at me because I'd never, I just kept encouraging him. Yeah, you did. You just got to keep your mouth
3: shut in those situations. <laughs> I had a headache when I got
2: home, man. When we come back at the other <laughs> side of a 430 news CFL report, and speaking of the CFL, we talk with the guy who was a hero at the Grey Cup, Chad Kelly, quarterback of the Argos, here on 620 CKRM.
3: with your sports ticker. We got five games in the National Hockey League tonight. The Pittsburgh Penguins in Ottawa to take on the Senators. The Boston Bruins taking on the New York Islanders. Colorados in Calgary. Tampa Bay Lightning in Vancouver. And the Dallas Stars in San Jose. uh, Taking on those San Jose Sharks. And I had some other news here that just left my screen. Uh, The Vikings and Pro Bowl wide receiver Justin Jefferson, sorry, expected to have contract talks this offseason. But as of today, the two sides have not yet begun any negotiations.
2: Nathan Rourke of the Jacksonville Jags. What about Jacksonville and the Jags offer or presentation did you like in the end?
9: Yeah, for us, it really came down to situation and, and the best chance to, to go in and uh, be on the active roster uh, year one, you know, really didn't feel like it was worth our time to go into a situation where a team wasn't all that interested, situation didn't. Yield the best opportunity to get on the field to be on an active roster, and we feel like if I was going to be in a practice squad situation, it'd be better just to go and stay with the Lions. Right, so Jacksonville always stay. They, they were big on on me from the beginning. They were very interested, really wanted to give me a chance to compete to be the number two guy. And then, you know, I think for me, it's really important to have at least that opportunity to, to make a difference if something were to happen to the starter and Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, the, all those factors was really the big thing. And then obviously the opportunity to, to be coached by Doug Peterson, someone who's had a lot of success with young quarterbacks and, uh, you know, just a stand up guy all around. So looking forward to, uh, all those different things that, that made this decision so easy. So, any message mm-hmm. to CFL fans listening to this thing? Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm really grateful. The reception was fantastic. I mean, it was a real treat to play at BC Place in front of the BC Lions fans, who were just fantastic. And but it, it was really special to be able to go to you know away stadiums and uh, some really great places to play. And a lot of passionate CFL fans across the country that were that were fans of me and I I really appreciate that. I know that there's a lot of pride that C F L fans take in their Canadian players and hope that continues for the for the next batch of guys and and the already emerging stars that are in this league, and uh, I hope that I just hope that continues and i just I'm, I'm very grateful for the, the opportunity it, it was to to, uh, to really to make a, a bit of a name of myself and and to be able to to play uh, a game that I love and in front of so many people who were happy to see me play and, and were as fired up as I was so'm um, just really appreciative of that and uh, it'll be an experience I never forget i'm very grateful for the uh, the way that uh, my career has gone so far
2: Well Ryder nation will be a part of your uh, history because the- you were on the field when Mike Riley couldn't play. Didn't start off so yeah. great, but you really came back with a lot of moxie. In fact, I think you guys ran out of time that game, but that was your first taste of professional football, and it was right here in the heartland yeah. of football, so that's cool.
9: Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was fun. What a way to start, right? I mean, you got, you got to go to the, like you said, yeah, the, the heart of the, the CFL and heart of Canadian football, and Mosaic's always going to be a special place for me to play. I mean, we are we were pretty successful playing there this year, uh, this past year, so... Uh, it's a, it would have a, a, a fun place to win, and and uh, just would have liked to have played that last game in Mosaic uh, that they played this year. That would have been fun as well.
2: Well, my second favorite team now the Jacksonville Jags, uh, and they just happen to beat my first uh, favorite team, the Chargers. So, uh, hey, uh, best of luck, my friend, and thanks for uh, taking time out of a very busy time for you and talking to me. Okay?
9: Yeah, thanks,
3: Michael. Anytime. CFL report with Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Nathan Rourke.
0: Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Got a nice text from the commissioner of the Saskatchewan Junior
2: Hockey League, Kyle McIntyre, saying he loves the new format. Singer, keep up the good work, guys. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it. And uh, what we're trying to do here on the Sports Cage, we like to cover all the sports, uh, amateur as well. But um, here's what the. Uh, Here's what we want to do. We want to have a situation where we bring, this is the place to come for CFL talk. That's what we want. Doesn't matter if it's the riders, just CFL talk, because we talk about a promoting the league in the offseason. Let's head out in the Western Pizza hotline, dinnertime, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza, and talk with Argo's quarterback, the hero of the 109th Grey Cup, one of the heroes, Chad Kelly. Chad, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Hi, how you doing? I appreciate you having me on today. So, when you were in Regina, at any point, did you have any Western pizza? Because the next time you come into town, you have to have some Western pizza.
10: Honestly, I did not. I uh, I think I went out to eat maybe once, and that was to, I believe, it was, is it Joey's out there? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I went there um, one time, and otherwise I just stayed in the hotel try to get off my feet and and just get ready for the game. So I didn't really get to explore.
2: So uh, we'll bounce around here, but Chad Kelly, you got drug tested after the game. I've been drug tested too back when I played football three times. Not a very, it's not a great procedure and very unnatural. Like some other dude is watching you do your thing. It's kind of uncomfortable, isn't it?
0: Very
10: much so. It, I got tested the first game of my CFL career in the last game. So uh, clearly we made some, some leeway in between.
2: <laughs> it doesn't feel very random, though, does it? <laughs> I don't think those are ever random. <laughs> and listen, what, it was kind of a Debbie Downer for you, right? Like, you didn't, like Did you get to celebrate immediately with your team or did they usher you off to that room? Because I know at Mosaic where they do it, they brought you up the tunnel right away or what? Yeah,
10: I mean, um, you know, I ha- I had to go to the bathroom, fortunately, right away, so <laughs> I was able to just get it out the way. But you know, still, the whole process, signing the papers, and and yada yada yada, you know, that obviously takes ten to fifteen minutes. So, you know, I celebrated on the field with with the guys and my family, and then next thing you know, you know, in the locker room, it it, it was about fifteen twenty minutes after. So,
2: Chad Kelly, how many beers did you drink out of the great cup after you won?
10: <laughs> uh, after it, I, uh, probably a few, but, um, you know, I have not seen it really since then. And, and I just got it. I asked today, I said, Hey, uh, is it cool if I get the gray cup? Well, oh, well, we're booked up until March. So, uh, thanks for that.
2: So do you get, do you get it after March? Like, will you get it? You should get a day with it. Don't you? Uh, I, I, I mean, I mean, you would assume that the players would
10: have first dibs, but you know, I guess staff is, uh, from top to bottom more inclined to to get it sooner so it is what it is
2: that's ridiculous hey you're a great guy to ask this because i know in the past announcers and 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 you know let's say announcers i've known announcers of teams they get a championship ring when the team wins i i would i said this on the air and i'll say it in front of you too if if the riders ever won a great cup and somebody offered me a ring even like a a knockoff ring I would turn it down. I'd rather have a gift card at the at the Ryder uh, memorabilia store as opposed to getting a ring because I didn't earn that ring. That, like, I didn't – blood, sweat, and tears, knee injuries. How do you feel about other people getting rings that aren't players?
10: Man, you know, uh, I, I think it's okay. I mean, obviously, there's so many people that put in a ton of hours, a ton of work to make things happen on game day and behind the scenes. So, you know, I'm definitely, definitely not opposed to those people getting it. I, I even remember in college, you know, those big time boosters that you know gave a lot of money. They always wanted, wanted, and felt like they were a part of something as well. So, you know, I, 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 I think it, it's more than reasonable to, to give them that, but. You know, I think at least holding the Grey Cup uh, before them is a little bit more reasonable than than getting a ring.
2: I agree with that. So, but don't you agree with this? The best trophies are the ones you can drink out of, right? Like the Grey Cup, the Stanley <laughs> Cup, right? Yeah, no,
8: those
10: are pretty incredible, right? I mean, that is, that is something that you know is obviously not replicated throughout the world, and uh, it's very special, obviously, to to be a part of. You know, a storied um, leagues and and whatnot. So,
2: did you get the importance of the Grey Cup and what it meant before you got to Regina and got the play in one? And do you have a different perspective now, Chet Kelly?
10: Um, you know, I I think I have an appreciation for um, you know how I don't want to say how hard it is to get there but the obstacles that you have to overcome to be a part of it, right? Um, me and my girlfriend were actually talking, and we're like, yo, the most Canadian thing ever is is having it in Saskatchewan, right, out of all the places. And, you know, I, I couldn't think of a better place to have it than, you know, in Regina. And just the, the feel and the vibe was just absolutely amazing. And, you know, I, I think the the grand scheme of things, that that is the perfect place really to have it.
2: Let me ask you a hypothetical, okay? You probably can't answer, but I'm gonna ask it anyway, because that's the fun of radio. So, first of all, do you know what's happening with McLeod Bethel Thompson? He's a free agent. There was a lot of talk about his future during Great Cup week. I know you guys are obviously probably buddies, you share a quarterback room. Have you heard anything with regards to McLeod Bethel Thompson and what he plans to do?
10: Yeah, I, I I think he definitely wants to play football. I mean, who doesn't? Um obviously he's still a fantastic player, very knowledgeable, great teammate great person um and, and i think I, I think he he definitely does i mean the last time i spoke to him he was he was um just recovering obviously from from his little wrist injury um but you know i, I don't see why he wouldn't want to come back and play
2: so let me ask you this chad kelly do you feel like you are ready to start right now right now do you want to have a legitimate shot to be a starter one thousand percent. Okay, am I ready? I am ready. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. So, and I and I like that uh, that confidence, and and you showed coming off the bench in a short spurt in the biggest game of the of the season. You can do it. So, let me paint a picture for you. McLeod Bethel Thompson re-signs with the Toronto Argonauts. Would you? Not okay, but are you are you content to go to camp and battle with him for the starting job or would you would it be time for Chad Kelly to look for his opportunity elsewhere to be a starting quarterback? Cuz I don't know if you know this or not, but there is a CFL team where you just played the Grey Cup, the heartland of football, where a guy with the pizzazz and moxie of a Chad Kelly could maybe be the king of Kensington, you know what I'm saying? You know where I'm going with this? No, I I think I can't be you know, reactive. i got to be,
10: you know, proactive on, on everything I do, obviously. And mm-hmm. I just want to be the best player I can be, whatever situation that is. But of course, I'd love to play in Saskatchewan, right? I mean, I got the best fans, I guess, that, you know, are are in the CFL. Obviously, the fan base is huge. Damon Roosevelt, obviously, is on staff. And to mm-hmm. be honest, that's the reason why I came to the CFL um after speaking to Naaman and obviously I I went to high school at his high school and he's really the main reason why I wanted to go to that high school and I look look up to Naaman think very highly of him and and I just think that it, it could definitely be a good fit
2: so what so what about what Naaman had to tell you other than your reverence for him what about what he had to tell you about this league really urged you to come to this league
10: I think the biggest thing was, like, man, he's like, you got the arm to make every single throw. And imagine guys running full speed ahead at the line of scrimmage and defensive backs are sitting at eight yards. And, you know, the field obviously wider. And he just made everything kind of seem like it was natural. And, you know, obviously throwing with him, we when I was in the NFL, he still wanted to run some CFL routes where, you know, obviously he's waggling up to the line and everything. And it just felt like it would be be a fun opportunity. And obviously I wanted to showcase my skills. I'm I'm still trying to, you know, reach my goal um, of, you know, getting to the top level and, and I'm trying to do whatever I have to, but I need to get on the field. As soon as possible to showcase my talent.
2: So, what's running through your head, Chad Kelly, when your running mate there, McLeod Bethel Thompson, has his injury, and you got to come in to the biggest game on the biggest stage, cold. And I mean cold because it wasn't exactly Florida warm on that field here in the 109th Grade Cup. And you came in, you were slinging the rock. Was the, did you have time to appreciate how big the moment was? Or was it just like, you know, going in like seven on seven? I'm just slinging it around the field yeah
10: i i i that's funny you say that i mean i just remember like him coming off the field and saying like his his finger or whatever or his thumb or wrist i I'm not really entirely sure just because I was you know so focused on the game and then you know they were taping it up and and then all of a sudden we got a i i think we got an interception or a turnover i believe i mm-hmm. i think um shaq had got one and then coach is like where's chad where's chad I'm like, I'm right here. What's up? Like, I'm I'm waiting to see if Mac is okay, right? You know, I'm, Mac, you good? Hey, he's like, you got it. I was like, all right, here we go. And then, you know, I just run out on the field as if, hey, here we go. It's just practice. I mean, that's how you got to approach a game and, and can't look at the moment. It's too big. You just got to be even keeled. And that's kind of how I went out in the field. I was like, hey, fellas, this is what we're going to do right here, all right? Coach has this, hey. If they go cover zero, Hey, make sure you look, all right. This ain't your route, but you got to make sure that you're prepared for that boundary. You have to come down and blitz. And what do you know? They did that on one of them. And, you know, coach was calling off stuff off the, off the top of the head and not on the wristband, which that shows you kind of the confidence that he had in me to be able to go out there and just call plays off the top of the head instead of looking at the wristband.
2: Uh, Chad Kelly, joining us here for a couple of more minutes. So, um, uh, Chad, your, your uncle is Jim Kelly. I didn't want to make this about your uncle, but is there any piece of advice or anything he's, uh, you know, said to you that helped you with your football career? Yeah, man. Um,
10: <laughs> I probably didn't listen to him as much as I should have, <laughs> uh, to say the least. Um, you know, but I, I, I've obviously grown and, and, and realized everything that he's told me is obviously for the, for the, for the best. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is just don't stop working and, and obviously just keep your faith in God, right? People can get discouraged. I could have got discouraged. You know, like I said before, I lost so many people this year so, so dearly close to me. And, you know, it was definitely very hard. But at the same time, you know, I kept the faith. I, I, I kept on working and, and just kind of doing exactly what he he's always preached to me. And that's just working hard.
2: What an inspiration he is, not only with how he came back on the field after losing all those Super Bowls, but he's just been, uh, he's been beating down cancer, like he's uh, hes hanging in there, he's hes certainly an inspiration.
10: Yeah, definitely, I mean, to go through it twice, and, and you know, to lose his son, and obviously to lose four straight Super Bowls, and go through the personal, personal things that he's went through, I mean, obviously he's came out on top, and you know you just gotta be thankful for someone to go through something and, and be resilient enough to get through it and and try to you know teach someone else you know the mistake that he's made or you know the the reason why he's always kept positive through through the faith of God.
2: Well, it wasn't a direct line for him to go to Buffalo. He went to the USFL, ends up with uh, with the uh, Buffalo Bills and and greatness. Uh, what did he reach out to you after the Great Cup? Did he say, "Hey, great job"? Have you talked to him since you won the championship? Does he even follow the CFL?
10: Yeah, uh, yeah, he reached out um, twice since then. We haven't um, really talked much about it. He he doesn't really pay attention anymore I don't yeah. think so yeah.
8: it's all good it's yeah
2: all good. okay lastly what do you appreciate about our game and like about our game now that you've been in it now and soaked it all in oh uh what do I appreciate
10: it I appreciate really the two downs you know I, I, we're saying two downs before the punt obviously mm-hmm. um but I I think what I appreciate most is that you know you got to pretend that it's second down or third down every play right mm-hmm. and you have to stay ahead of the sticks when you get to be you know second and 9 second and 10 you know you're behind the sticks it's very hard to you know sustain the drive and, and and keep the drive going um what i appreciate more thanks for um you know as a quarterback perspective I mean, the D linemen are a yard off the ball, and, like, that makes a huge difference. It really does. And, um, you know, I I think that's definitely a a quarterback's dream is to be farther away from the defense, right? And it makes it a little easier. I love it. But I think think there's definitely ways, you know, you can combat that. It's good and bad for the offense and defense. Um, But, you know, I I think just appreciation for how much – you know, the intricacies of the waggle and, you know, where people can can be at on the snap. Just so many different um, moving parts that you have to really be locked in and honed in on the playbook and, and to really understand. And I think the way everything works is just you have to paint a picture, right? You got to paint a beautiful picture for the quarterback because there's so many moving parts.
2: And because you described that, it's my last question for you. Is it harder to be a quarterback in the American game or the Canadian game?
10: I think in the in the
2: American game. Okay. Definitely. Okay, and why do you say that?
10: Yeah. Um, you know, obviously you guys don't don't see it anymore. You don't see quarterbacks under center, you know, taking Five seven step drops in the c f l you don't you don't see really play action and you know stuff like that. I just think that you have to time up a lot more things down south than you do up here. You know it's all organic and there's just so much more flow to it. There's not precise route running. there's just kind of hey get open, you know mm. uh we always say hey, you can be deeper than than what we teach, and you know that's good and bad, you know um obviously the quarterback has to get the ball out a little quicker. Um, down south than than up here. But, you know, I I think the appreciation for being up here is you see a lot more cover zero, right? And um, you you don't see it as much um, down south as you do up here because, you know, damn near every play they could take a run cover zero and, you know, someone just has to slip a tackle and it's it's a touchdown, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think that down south there's just a little bit more um, intricacies and timing that, that really makes the quarterback have to work even harder to understand, you know, three plant, five plant, you know, seven and no hitch if there's a shallow route, right? So um, that's kind of way I look at it, being, being have played both.
2: Chad, thanks for your time, man. This was fun, and uh, wherever you're playing next season, looking forward to seeing you on the field. Congratulations on a great 2022 season, okay?
10: Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate it. Go, Argos.
2: <laughs> That's the Chad Kelly joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
0: Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk, this is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
2: Ballsy here in Argo Blue. I'm in Argo Baby Blue. We just had Chad Kelly on. You're in your Sean Kleiziger. You're in your uh, John Gregory gray and green and white. It's nice, more, like, huh? more like beige. Is that because it hasn't been washed in a while, or is that how? Dude, it's, it's from
3: 1989. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be a simply basic fresh white on me. I guess so. I guess so.
2: Hey, uh, Chad Kelly was on the show. Did you like him? I thought he's great. I love that guy's personality. I'm just saying, it would be a nice fit. Yeah. Well, he's got to get traded to come here. Anything can Trade happen. Anything can happen here in free agency, man. It's uh, less than a month away. All right, we got some texts on the text line there. Yeah, Leonard liked him. Leonard yeah. says,
3: "I I uh." Or that's not the uh, Dale Dale and Melford says, yeah. "Holy crap! Do I ever like this guy? Sign him up, LOL, which means laugh out loud." Yeah, or uh, lots of love, lots of love. Yeah, uh, Leonard says, "That's what Mom uh, thinks it is." Lots of love, uh, lots of love. Yeah, yeah, that's what it means. No, I disagree. Leonard says, "I disagree. I think playing quarterback in the CFL is much tougher. You have." Uh, three chances to get a first down in America. You yeah, have four chances. I
2: agree with. Uh, was it Leonard? You said yeah. I agree with Leonard. Uh, no disrespect. I didn't play quarterback like Chad Kelly, but. Uh even Mark Tressman said it's harder to play quarterback in the CFL, and I believe it is with all the the you know, the play clock and the movement and, and he yeah. wagging it. might just be stuff. different
3: for different guys yeah. doing the them. ball's
2: fatter, it's a it's a bigger
3: ball to throw. Our balls are
2: bigger. Our How? balls are bigger. We gotta get back to that uh, too. Radically Canadian. Our balls are bigger. Where's our promo in this league? Where is it? Get some know. promo. Well, we are. Right here, we uh, do. Hal
3: says, hey, Michael, I'm really impressed with the Riders' offseason signings, especially Gerald Hawkins yep. and four-star recruit quarterback Zarek Copper. Just wondering if Jeremy O'Day could tell us a little more about these players. Great show again, guys yep, from we're going to
2: have them on after five, Hal. You can bet we're going to ask that question right there. We'll ask that question, Hal. And
3: uh, Mike's on the text line says, I'm a Packers fan, but I also like the Chiefs. See... Okay, I'll finish the text. Uh Mike says and I like to tell any Detroit Lions fans uh, that are listening uh so what you beat the Packers you still missed the playoffs uh, and uh, you guys are still a sorry franchise basically. So what were you going to say? I was just going to say, you know, you just can you just can't be, you just can't come out and say I'm a Packers fan but I also like the Chiefs. It doesn't work that way. It, it, I'm sorry, but it doesn't work that way. It's the- a, it, it's it's like it's like,
2: yeah, I'm a Riders fan, but yeah, I'm also I'm also a Bomber fan. I'm also a Lions fan. Well, listen, we have Andy McNamara on the show, our betting expert, and he'll be on this week, and he's a great guy, right? We've had Mike Pritchard on from VEASAN, former NFL receiver. All the big guests are here. Um, but I'm not into fantasy football. I'm not into being like a fantasy football GM. Like, I'm not into that stuff. It ruins football for me. Like, like for instance... <laughs> I'm a Chargers fan, as you know. If the Chargers are playing the um, the Steelers, and I got Pickens on my team as a receiver, and I need him to get two touchdowns, am I going to cheer for Pickens, or am I going to cheer for my team? and And you raised a good point. Fantasy football is going to ruin fan bases.
3: It's going to ruin fandom i I truly believe this like the the generation right now, like kids that are like five, six, seven when, whenever you start playing fantasy football, the young football fans that 's all they know you know fantasy football 's thrown in front of them. I just always think of the time I was in Green Bay uh years back, and I was watching a Packer fan watch the Viking game up on the big uh, up on the big screen at the bar I was at, and this Packer fan. He was cheering for Adrian Peterson when he was still with the Vikings to score a touchdown. Sacrilegious. Yeah, to score a touchdown.
2: I would never cheer for Joe Neuendijk in a game against the Oilers, Never, Flames, like, forget it. Can you imagine? No. Like Can you imagine
3: that? Like, if I need mean, Willie Jeffers. If we stay on this track for like 20 years, Ballsy, there's going to be no fans left. It's I, just, just going to be, especially if... The big time money comes into it. if people start making big time money off fantasy football and stuff, you might as well just kiss fandom goodbye. Well,
2: yeah, well, like, am I going to be a rider fan cheeler, uh, cheering for Willie Jefferson to get a sack? That's what people do. Yeah, no, that's that's why I garbage. don't. That's why I don't play fantasy no, football. I don't, either. I don't play any fantasy. I don't. I don't, I don't either. I don't even want no. to talk about it. I don't either. Let's get out of here. <laughs>
0: Sports talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball.
2: Welcome back to the show. Corner 12th and Rose on this Wednesday. And uh, got a great show going on. We had Chad Kelly from the Argos on earlier, John Ryan. He said he'd be open to buying the Regina Red Sox baseball team. I don't know if he meant that or not, but we'll hold him to it. All right, uh, let us uh, get right down to this because this guy's a busy guy. He's coming up on a very busy time for him. This is, this is his Grey Cup time, I would think, for uh, general managers. Uh, Jeremy O'Day joining us of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. J.O., thanks for joining us. I appreciate it.
11: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Michael. How you doing? Happy New Year.
2: Yeah, you too, man. And I don't think it's, uh, we're too late to say that because you and I haven't seen each other since the calendar flip. Now, <laughs> Zinger and I were talking about fantasy football and he and I are not into fantasy football because mm-hmm. we think it's going to ruin fandom in the long run. How about you? Like, you're the ultimate fantasy football player because you're a GM, but I'm talking on the side. Like, do you do any fantasy football in the NFL?
11: No, I don't. I, we actually, I, th- I think we had, I, I know our guys in the office have a fantasy football, and I know they uh, they got some, some good rivalries going with the business office, but I, I, I did it a, f- a few years ago, and... And felt like I just didn't have a lot of time to focus in and on it, so I, uh, I let those guys do it. I, I do like to get involved in their uh, their conversations when they get heated about it, though. <laughs> we've, we've got we've got a lot of fantasy football GMs in, in, uh, in the office here. Yeah, we
2: got about uh, probably 500,000 GMs in the province, to be honest, as you know, so uh, we'll get to that in a second. On the Manning cast for Monday Night Football during the playoff game, I think they were talking about the Chargers collapse 27 nothing, and Eli and Peyton were kicking it around, and Peyton said... I don't know. Halftime adjustments are a myth. He goes, I don't even know in my 18-year career if we did a (laughs) halftime adjustment. We go in, we use the bathroom, have a couple of oranges, and the coach says, all right, let's go. Are halftime adjustments overrated Jeremy O'Day?
11: I would say they probably are overrated. I th- I think that uh there's certainly a lot of work that goes on. It's it's uh, a hectic time for the coaches. They they fly down from the press box and they meet in the coaches' uh locker room and they're really just just kind of going over what they've been seeing, right? Offensively and defensively and if this is what we're getting a lot of and these are the things that we want to do to try to beat them. Um but if there was you know, a lot of the adjustments happen during the game uh, as you're seeing them, but you know, you kind of just get a summation at a halftime, and then, mm-hmm. and then from there, they're into the locker room. They're they're gathering their group to kind of tell them what they've been seeing, and and so there's some adjustments that are going on. I, I don't know if it's uh, as big as everyone thinks. I think <laughs> that, you know, one half could be different from the other half, and and everyone thinks, boy, they have had some great halftime adjustments, and and the reality is the players just have adjusted to what's what they're seeing, and and maybe even play better.
2: All right, Jeremy, ahead of free agents. What does it look like for you and your cohorts there? Like, like do you have a board, like you would a draft board, like a free agency board with uh, priorities in terms of, uh, you know, maybe position or players, your own guys? What does it look like?
11: Yeah, you're exactly right. So it's very similar to how you'd have it set up with a draft board. So you, you break it down by position. Um, you kind of rank the positions as you see them. Um, you're gathering information on, on different things about each player, uh, as you're ranking those guys. Um, as guys are getting signed by other teams, you're taking them off the board and adjusting kind of your approach at, at times. Um, which is, it's, it's a very fluid thing. But yeah, it's a draft board that we set up. Um, we actually, it's a little more digital now than it used to be, and um, it's not so much the magnets and, and mm. <laughs> moving them around like like uh, back in the day. But um, very similar where you're actually working uh, on the computer and moving them around, and then um, as you get really close to the draft, we'll, we'll set up a, a board in the, uh, in the war room here and, and have it in front of us so we know what's going on. Mm.
2: Okay, Jeremy O'Day, we got a text from a listener, and a, it was a good question from, I believe, Hal. Go ahead, Zinger.
3: Yeah, Hal's asking, uh, I'm really impressed with the Riders offseason sign. Innings, especially Gerald Hawkins and four-star recruit quarterback Zarek Copper. Just wondering if uh, Jeremy O'Day could tell us a little more about uh, these two players.
11: Yeah, so um, you know, obviously one of the focuses for us is is trying to bring in some good competition at the tackle position. So Gerald Hawkins was someone that. Oh, boy, I actually saw as a rookie when he was in camp with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, and we saw him all the way up until uh, this last year when he was in camp with the Saints. And so just a real athletic uh tackle that we feel that will fit our 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 league real real well we've been after him for a while and really it's about uh just timing with those guys and jared cooper is another guy that actually came to our free agent camp that we had in september um we actually worked him out twice once in atlanta and once in dallas and uh really impressed us with his arm strength he's a big a big he's a big quarterback um he's got great size but he's got a an exceptional arm with them. So we're excited about those guys. Um, you know, not, not, not ranking, uh, by priority, but we're, we're excited about both those guys to come and compete. And, um, with Hawkins, we're, we're, we're hoping for big things from them.
2: Now you were, uh, you were quoted as saying earlier, I think with three down nation, uh, during the CFL, uh, winter meetings that, you know, our O line, obviously we got to do some work, but maybe it wasn't as bad a- as it looked, Jeremy. But if you were looking at the O line, would it be the tackle position that does need to, uh, improved yet maybe just overall need to get a little bigger do you think up front? Um
11: I don't know necessarily know if we were, our size was was as big as people make it. I've heard that a couple times in the off season that we need to be bigger. I understand um, that, you know, the bigger you are the more space and um you know people would think that uh that size is a huge thing, but um you know in particular, I think that we can we can try to improve it at tackle and again um maybe maybe the way we're doing things a little differently will will help um but yeah in particular i I would say that we're trying to improve uh, at that position and it's it's uh it's a it's a tough position there's a lot of a lot of people that are after uh, good mm-hmm. quality offensive tackles if you look at it in our league there's not a a ton of guys that are established that are that are all stars or or on their way to be in it so uh, we're focused on that that's obviously one of them but we got a lot of work to do in, in all areas
2: yeah okay so this is jeremy o'day the rough riders gm joining us here on the sports cage um i heard your offensive line coach anthony Vitelli uh, say i want my guys to be tough <laughs> what what but what does tough mean to you jeremy o'day like what that that's an open-ended word what does it mean to you
11: I think it 's just about really just getting your job done and and, and doing it efficiently, but also um, just getting up after every play and have that work like mentality right so be able to to play physical and and play through some injuries, obviously you get dinged up quite a bit uh, when you're when you 're in the trenches, but just to have that consistency um, guys that are working hard i i I truly believe that the offensive line they're they're a close group, and our guys were a close group they obviously had a, a tough year last year, but being tough is, is uh is setting the tone in the game and, and playing physical, right? So that's that's how I believe the offensive line plays should be should be physical. Um offensive linemen always like to run block, but you, you know, you can be physical in both both sides of uh of, of run plays and pass plays and um just just having that workman like attitude.
2: I had the local guy Brett Jones on earlier, and he had said, um, "You know, I, I'm uh, you know I'm trying to get into med school at the U of S. If I don't, I'm definitely interested in in, in playing football. I want to go out in my own terms. I feel I have a lot of gas left in the tank, and I would be opening to to listen uh, to CFL teams, riders included. Uh, I know uh, Coach Dickey said you had reached out to Brett. Uh, is that that's going to be interesting for you, just monitoring that situation, and and of course looking at the quarterback spot. I would assume."
11: Yeah, for sure. So we've had some conversations with Brett, my, myself personally, and, and he's reiterated exactly what you just said and what he said on your show that he's he is looking into med school and still feels like he's got some uh, football left in him. Uh, we certainly would have interest in him, and and really it's just about um, about him deciding on um, what he wants to do in the future, and um, certainly someone that we would have interest in and feel uh, that he's a great football player, and certainly would help us on the field and off the field. So um, definitely. definitely Definitely interested in, in Brett, and uh, really just comes down to uh, him making a decision whether he wants to play or not.
2: Uh, Jeremy, did you see enough out of Fine and Dola Gala to warrant an invite back to camp to uh, to compete for uh, jobs there in the quarterback room?
11: Yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely seeing those guys come back and compete. I think you know like to see a, a little more sample size, but I think they've shown enough. Uh, throughout uh, Mason's two years here and, and Jacob's uh, second year, or sorry, going into his second year, that, that we definitely want to bring them back to camp and, and give them a chance to compete. I think that um, you know Jake in particular was was really put in a hard spot in a couple of games where he had to he had to play because of uh, certain. You know, he played the COVID game where he didn't have a lot of prep, and then the game that he did get in, uh, if you remember, that was the the flu game that we had in Winnipeg that we had to actually drive them over <laughs> yeah. from, uh, from Regina to get them there. And, and, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Jake was actually sick during that game too. He kind of kept it to himself, but we found out after the game that he was, he had the flu like the other guys, but he really wanted to play. So different quarterbacks are both different. Obviously the size is one thing. Um, one's got a real strong arm and, and, uh, and the other one has been super successful in, in college and, and, got more play time this year. So, um, comfortable with bringing them back to, to, compete and and uh, that's what we're we're looking to do with those guys.
2: Jeremy, can I get you on hold for a couple of minutes? I got a few questions I want to ask you. Just got to fit in a break here and then we'll come back and I'll ask you about three or four more questions and have you on your way. Is that okay?
11: Absolutely, no
2: problem. All right, it's the uh, general manager of the Saskatchewan Roughriders, Jeremy O'Day joining us here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
0: It's time to step into the Radio Octagon. You're tuned to The Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Continuing our conversation with Rough Rider GM Jeremy O'Day.
2: Thanks for his time. I know it's going to be a busy stretch for him here, so he's squeezing us in. So, uh, you know, I I wondered if there was, uh, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. When a guy gets a lot of workouts, are you uh, are you ready for him to leave the nest, so to speak? Any update on Keen Schaefer Baker, Jeremy?
11: Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess uh, we you know we kind of go through this every year with our guys and and uh, the NFL teams start you know, shortly after our season's over requesting guys to work out and keenans I think Keenan's had nine or 10 requests from different teams. So he's had quite a few. So yeah, I guess, I guess as they're coming in, it's one of those, uh, just to be quite honest, we, it's one of those, uh, those, those emails that you don't really want to get. Right. So you're coming in and you're kind of going, Oh boy, here's another one Mm -hmm. and here's another one. And, um, so yeah, no, he's gone to quite a few workouts. Um, you know, to my knowledge right now, he hasn't uh, been offered a contract, um, that I'm aware of and the NFL teams, uh, they're, they're allowed to start offering, uh, futures deals after the regular season's over. So they started to offer those, um, on January 9th. And so, um, you, you can never tell. You can never tell when a team is, is, uh, is going to make an offer. I think, um, everyone just assumes if, you don't get one right away, you won't get one. But if if you remember, we actually had Jonathan Woodard that had a real late workout, and, and he actually only had uh, one, and he actually signed uh, with the Chiefs there. And so you never really know until it's it's over. That, that window's open all the way up until free agency, and um, right now there's nothing to report on it other than he's worked out for a lot of teams.
2: Now, I know you've uh, been quoted as saying Duke Williams went through a lot of things last year in terms of his uh, health and uh, went on the field, was productive. If Duke is healthy, is he a priority for you guys
11: um we're we're still we're still working through some of those some of those things and deciding um you know where everyone fits as far as um, back on our team, and also with salary and those types of things. Mm-hmm. So, um, those those are ongoing. Um, I guess I don't really have a, a great answer, answer for you uh, on that one right now, Michael. But we're we're continuing to have conversations with a lot of our free agents, and um, we'll know more as as we get closer. Okay, so here's something for you, yeah, and I, I know you can tell me what you can tell me. But when you're having those
2: conversations about a guy's age, about his injury history, about his salary, are you have? Is it you and Coach Dickey? Is it you, Kyle Carson, and Coach Dickey? Like, what do those conversations look like as much as you can tell us?
11: Yeah, so those conversations are, uh, they really happen, um, you know, a- after we've get, get through all of our exit interviews and, and we start planning for the 2023 season. Um, so yeah, who's involved with that? Myself and Kyle and Paul Jones and, and obviously Coach Dickinson has a, has a lot of, a lot of say in that too. But we all actually get together and we actually will go through, uh, individually first on kind of our thoughts moving forward and kind of the reasons why and, Um, kind of start shaping what we want the, the team to look like. So we all have some input in there. Um, and we actually come with a little bit of a grading system where really the, the things that you just said all come into factor, right? It's going to be, uh, based on their age, their, their production, their salary, their injuries. All those things are considered when, uh, we try to make a decision on that. And, um, you know, and those, and that's just us. And that has to be a two-way street from the players. The players have to want to continue to play, uh, with our team. So, those discussions all happen uh, prior to us talking to the guys and and trying to set uh, set our plan for the for the next year.
2: I'm glad I got you here because uh, my grandpa always said perceptions, everything, and facts are negotiable. So when yeah. when the first the first thing that came across was Masonius dropped from the Riders' necklace. So I did a little digging and I found out you guys did offer him a contract, which he turned down. Can you expand a little bit because I like to uh, make the facts the forefront instead of perception. Okay,
11: sure. Yeah, so we, we actually added, when we asked, we, we added, uh, Mason to the neg list, uh, shortly before their, their season was over. And we really wanted to put him on there so we could evaluate him, which we did. And at the time, um, we, you know, one of the decisions that we had to make before we moved too forward is, is we wanted to make sure we hired our offensive coordinator and make sure that the offensive coordinator, uh, felt the same way. And, and, uh, from there, we kind of determined that we wanted to extend an, an opportunity to Mason to, to come to training camp. So we got on the phone and talked to Mason. Uh, both myself and Kyle Carson and kind of explained to him uh, about the opportunity and and he had questions obviously that he wanted uh wanted to ask and um and there were very good questions and he was very thorough he took a couple of days to consider everything um and really after a few days of discussions, I think he just decided that he really wanted to just uh move on uh from football and start his his career in teaching and coaching. And so we respected that, and um, you know some of the conversations we'll keep to ourselves because it's probably doesn't uh, uh, probably not not as important. But uh, we did actually call him and, and talk to him and, and had a good discussion with him, and ultimately uh, was his decision. It's good. Okay, so here's what I
2: want to ask, you, and I asked Coach Dickinson this, but I'd like to ask you because you're the guy uh, you know negotiating contracts and things like this. It's not just Mason Nias. You had it happen to you uh, going into last season with Matlin Riley, and uh, other, other teams have had guys, Canadians gen- generally, who have had better, they felt better life options. Is that becoming a concern from your chair and guys like you, GMs like you, where it's like these Canadians, if they have other options, because maybe the salary isn't what they think and that's nothing, you can't control that. But is that becoming a concern for you guys at that level?
11: um I think the concern is when you when you when you draft a player and and they change their mind or um they don't continue on playing football I think that's that's more of the concern um than guys just deciding not to play I think it's important when you go through the the draft and when you're talking to the players is just uh to, to make sure that they're they're all in and committed. and and look at all the guys that we drafted they they you know they Told us that they were all in and, and committed to it, and you know things changed. I think it's unfair to put them all together. I think um you know we've had uh, two or three of these in the last couple of years, and you know I think it's unfair to, to group them all the same. I know with Matlin, he he was uh, in a tough position where we had the COVID year, right, and so mm-hmm. he, he had a year off and, and actually went and got a, a really good job, and um you know started a career before we even had a chance to have him in camp. So um, I think that that affected that decision there, and. Um, you certainly want to, um, you know, the, your draft picks are, are very—they're uh, worth gold, right? So you want to use those um, the best way. And I certainly don't uh, discredit his his uh, his approach or anything. He made a decision that was best for his family. But you know, the Canadian players overall—I'm not super concerned. I think that there's there's really good Canadian players. I think that. You know, definitely in my time in the CFL, the, the the quality of Canadian players has improved. I think if you look at the amount of Canadians that are playing in the NFL, if you look at the amount of Canadians that are going down to the NCA, I think um, I think Canada was a hotbed for players, and I think that the NCA schools just caught up to it and and started finding them and, and recruiting them a little bit more than uh, they did in the past. And 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 there's there's more to it. I've I've said I think that uh, the coaching's better. I think the facilities are better. I think that uh, the quality of the game is improved that's just from from my standpoint from my from my time in uh in the cfl but i I think there's a lot of great canadian players out there and um you know it's just about picking the right ones
2: it's not easy to win in this league, so I won't say it's simple, but hey, you need good quarterbacking, good old line play, uh, steady O-line play, and you, you got to have, you know, things got to go your way, but you got to have good Canadians too. Lastly, Jeremy O'Day, are you confident that you can find uh, a quarterback that's going to direct this team, whether it's the guys that you we talked about earlier or somebody else out there that you can bring in here to lead your team uh, to a victorious season?
11: absolutely there there's good quarterbacks out there, there really is, and I know there 's lots of talks about uh, you talk about fantasy football there 's a lot a lot of talks yeah. about who 's going where and and where they 're going to end up and I know that i 've been asked uh, many times uh, at different places who 's going to be the quarterback this year, and um, you know that 's something that 's going to be determined uh, uh, might not even be determined until we get to camp but we're we 're definitely going to we 're working hard on that and you know, we'll see how free agency treats us and we're, we're keeping all, uh, all doors option, uh, all the, all the options of, available and, um, we've gone through and, obviously we've we've ranked our quarterbacks how you'd like to get them but you're you're also uh you're, you know it's a fluid situation with free agency and you know where guys will will end up or or who wants to be uh come to saskatchewan to be our quarterback and um certainly could be someone that uh that 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 someone else isn't expecting
2: okay and, and lastly jeremy with that without i um, know you're not going to tip your hand so i'm not even going to ask that but it's we talk fantasy football it's got to be interesting right like you you, you kind of got to have a, a guy in mind or a couple of guys in mind and that pool of money that you know you'll need to get them or or keep aside so then you just i, I assume build your free agency around that hypothetical situation
11: you do you 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 have more than one plan, to be honest with you. Michael, You, you, uh, I was in a, a very similar situation, if you recall, my first year as GM in Saskatchewan, where um, it felt like every quarterback in the league was a free agent that year. So yeah. we had multiple different plans, and you're right. Uh, attached to those plans, you have salaries, and, and salaries that you think it's going to require uh, for those quarterbacks. So you do have different Uh, different plans on the board and and uh, we certainly had those uh, going into 2019 and and had some had some movement going on if you if you recall there was um, lots of those guys made it to free agency so there was there was guys that were there in free agency that we had talks to and and then uh, and then we had to to make change during during the process and uh, and that affected our, our entire free agency right if you if you have a huge salary that's that's in your uh, your salary cap or you've budgeted for, um, if you don't have that when it's all done, then you, you you have to you have to be in the game with other free agents to uh, to try to make your team as strong as possible. If you don't have the quarterback that you that you targeted or that you expected to to fill that uh, that salary requirement there, so so there's lots of moving parts that we do when we go into it. So yeah, um, I remember particular uh, in particular it was coach dickinson's first year as well and we had uh a number of different uh plans on the board and i said well we can go hard at this or you can have this quarterback and these four other players right so, yeah <laughs> it's uh it's a moving it's a moving uh target and certainly um I think from the outside that uh, everyone says, "Oh, that's that's got to be fun, pretty fun to deal with." But it's uh, it's <laughs> fast paced when it happens, and and uh, you, you really got to uh, to think on the fly when that happens, and, and make sure that you you really you have to have uh, conversations with multiple people. Well, better you than me, my friend. <laughs> we'll
2: be watching eagerly. Thanks for your time, uh, and best of luck in the off season here. Okay. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate the call, and thanks for having me on. All right, that's uh, the GM of the Saskatchewan Roughriders, Jeremy O'Day. When we come back in the other side of the 530 News, we are going to have Farhan Lalji, we'll have our Pat Chat, and uh, our Where Are They Now feature. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Hey, your sports sticker at
3: 534. It's for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781 781- Twenty ninety. Hey, on this day back in nineteen fifty eight, Willie O'Ree made his debut with the Boston Bruins, becoming the first black player in NHL history. And some news from Montreal today: the Montreal Canadiens have announced that the Yuri Slavkovsky will miss three months with a lower body injury that does not require surgery. So uh, that's a big blow to the Canadiens de Montreal.
0: Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Sustantuan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the sports gauge. By
2: the way, pat Chat's brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse Catch, an NFL game at the CBH, and you can win a trip to this year's Super Bowl. We'll talk to this next guest from TSN, Farhan Lalji, about the NFL playoffs. But first, Farhan, welcome to the show. Thanks nice for taking my call. The Vancouver Canucks. What a tire fire. Like, Rutherford admits they're talking to coaching candidates, or he has, but Boudreaux's still his guy. Like, what a grease fire.
12: Yeah, there's a lot of different descriptors, and that's pretty appropriate. Um, and you know, the hard part is, is that when Jim Benning was the GM of the Canucks, uh, you know, he like it was a job that he didn't belong in, right? I mean, he was a scout that should have been a scout and, you know, presented poorly, had a poor plan, but you kind of looked at it and said, like, you know, who's Jim Benning? Yeah, he was there for eight years, but. Jim Rutherford comes with pedigree. Jim Rutherford is a three-time, three-time Stanley Cup champion. Jim Rutherford is a highly regarded senior executive in the National Hockey League as a GM and president. Nobody doubts his ability to do this right. So when you look at what actually is happening and the way it's happening, uh, yeah, it's there's just no defending it. There's no sugarcoating it, and I, I don't get it. Right? Uh, you know, and it's not just it's not just the the uh, the situation with Boudreaux, right? I mean, and that's not good. Mm-hmm. But when you look at what's happened on the medical side and, you know, they, they kind of attempted to explain it, but you know, in the 24 hours after that, certainly we, you know, people then reach out to you that are sources and say, ah, uh, they said this, but not quite. And, um, you know, players are, are being asked about it. And There's just a lot of ugliness surrounding how this organization is perceived. And, and look for me, in that window from 2009 to 2012, this was regarded as one of the best organizations in the league under Mike Gillis, and people wanted to be here. People took less money to come here, right? I remember when uh, Edmonton went all in on trying to get Manny Malhotra, and he took less money to come to Vancouver,
11: mm-hmm. right?
12: And, and you know, like, that's what it could be here because it's an incredible city, and the owner spends to the cap, even though he does a lot of other things poorly, and... The facilities are good. Like, there's a lot of good there, but, boy, are they handling this so poorly, and it's only going to get worse with the decisions they've made and how bad that locker room is. Um, tire fire on many, many levels, not just what's going on with Bruce Boudreaux.
2: You lost a big figure, literally and figuratively, uh, last Sunday in Gino Ojic Just a comment about that.
12: Yeah, that was a tough one. You know, 52 years of age, died of a heart attack, and he, he battled so many other uh, ailments in the last... This, you know eight or nine years and you kind of thought he'd gotten past the worst of it and I saw Gino quite often right whenever I was at a game and he was in the alumni suite we would get a chance to visit or talk in the elevator on the way down and he loved talking about CFL like he, he actually really really had an affinity for the CFL and um, we would just talk right he, he never wanted to really get into his health not because he was trying to be private but just he wanted to focus on fun stuff you know and, and have a good conversation but the the impact he's had on this community, over the last 30 years has been really really touching and incredible and when he was in the hospital uh, 6 years ago and fighting for his life then and you know all the Canucks fans stood outside the window at Vancouver General Hospital and chanted Gino Gino and I just a larger than life figure wonderful human being um, he'll be sorely missed and I, I don't know anybody even guys that were beat up by him that have ever had a bad thing to say about Gino.
2: Yeah, uh, this is Farhan Lalji from TSN. Sorely missed for another reason in Vancouver, will be Nathan Rourke. He did joke on this show earlier this week, at least he gets to move out of his uh, mom and dad's basement and can go and get his own place in Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, initially you and I were texting off the top and they, or uh, when it happened, uh, I wasn't really keen on it, but after talking with him and looking at the tea leaves, Burris McCoy there, uh, quarterback friendly Peterson, probably a pretty good move there for Nathan Rourke.
12: Yeah, I think so. You know, at the end of the day, there there was no perfect situation. Like, there's a perfect situation that you and I could have found, right? That yeah. you could have looked at a particular team and saw some level of stability with a mid-level quarterback. Like, I you know, I had said Minnesota seemed to be a logical uh, conclusion for me. Seattle seemed like a logical spot for me. But ultimately, those teams have to also be just as interested in Nathan and want to give him a guarantee so that he knows he's not just a camp arm like there's so many things that, that line up. Like, you talked about a few of them, right? Yeah. Uh, a coaching, quarterback-friendly system, advocates in the building. You know, there's a there's a lot of things. People are like, why didn't you go to Arizona? Well, because the coaching just got fired and the GM just got fired. Like, wh- why would you go there and the person that evaluated you isn't the one that signed you, right? There, there's so many things that wouldn't have worked. So for me, look, you can go there, um, properly develop. We're seeing fewer and fewer starters play in the preseason.
9: You mm-hmm.
12: could get... Heavy play time in six preseason games over two years. And if Trevor Lawrence gets hurt, he could get two to four games, you know, over the course of the next two years, let's say, in a best-case scenario. And if he hits it out of the park, then what has Jacksonville done? They have found money. They can take a Nathan Rourke and say, okay, we're going to trade you to this team for a third-round draft pick, and you can now be a 1B. You might not be a 1A, but you can get a legitimate chance to compete. We've seen what you can do. You've got film. You know, and that's kind of what you have to look at it as. Is he ever going to start ahead of Trevor Lawrence? Never. Like, in terms of football merit, it's never going to happen. Trevor Lawrence is a generational quarterback. Uh, He's made a big jump from year one to year two. He'll continue on that trajectory. He's going to win Super Bowls. He's an incredible talent, and he will live up to all the hype when he got drafted number one overall. Uh, But there is still still a window where Nathan can do good things and set himself up for the next step.
2: Lastly, Farhan Lalji, you love football. You love NFL football. Give me an upset if there is one this weekend.
12: I don't know that there is. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm picking Kansas City uh, just yeah. because they're better, and, you know, in, in all phases, and I think they're going to win that football game. I, when I stay in the AFC, like the Cincinnati Buffalo game is so compelling, but I just my gut tells, and both teams were lucky to win last week. Let's yeah. not kid ourselves. I think if you couple the emotion around that, the, the Hamlin situation and completing the game that wasn't and it being in Buffalo and what that means to them, along with the Cincinnati offensive line injuries, mm-hmm. my gut tells me Buffalo is going to find a way to get through that game. Um, and I, I think Philadelphia and San Francisco find a way to get through their games and play in the NFC title game as they should as the two best teams. So generally speaking, you never get the top two seeds in both conferences to advance. But I think we're going through this time
2: Farhan, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. We'll see how it goes and check in with you next week, okay?
12: All right, buddy. Take care.
2: Appreciate it, man. Farhan Lalji joining us for a quick hit here on the Western Pizza Hotline. We wrap the show up with uh, Hall of Famer and five-time Grey Cup champ, Ryan Kelly. Where are they now? Here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
0: They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the sports cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now?
2: And we're doing it with five-time Grey Cup champ, Canadian Football Hall of Famer, and 21-time Iron Man. He wore number 70 with the then Edmonton Eskimos. He is Brian Kelly, and he joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Of course, where are they now? Brought to you by our good friends at Floor Coverings International. How are you today, Brian? I'm very well. I'm very well,
1: Michael. How are you?
2: Good. So growing up, three receivers that I used to watch in the CFL made me want to play the position and get into football. They were Mervyn Fernandez, Joey Walters, and Brian Kelly. Who made Brian Kelly want to get into football? Was there a a role model for you? You know,
1: I haven't thought about that question, but I suppose when I was a kid growing up, I grew up in Los Angeles and and, uh, would always watch the Los Angeles Rams. And they had a player, his name was Jack Snow. And he went to Notre Dame, and he played with the Rams. And he was a, um, and oddly enough, he he played in the same high school league that I ended up playing in uh, years later. But I always used to watch him, and he always the one thing he always said was that he never got caught from behind. And I don't think I ever saw him get caught from behind. But I always thought, well, that's a pretty good. Thing to, to you know to focus on and, and aspire to be so. I'd say maybe Jack Snow from the Los Angeles Rams.
2: Yeah, that's a good one, Brian. So Brian, I mentioned Fernandez. I mentioned Joey Walters. There were other great uh, receivers in that era. Was there a guy that you uh, you know you obviously didn't compete against other receivers in terms of having to cover them, but in a game, a game within the game, was there a guy that you went into that week's action saying, "I gotta I gotta compete with that guy. I'm gonna try to match with James Murphy or Jeff Boyd or or Mervin Fernandez." Was there a guy you always got up to play?
1: You know, I was aware of all of them. Uh, Terry Greer kind of comes to mind. He was really and always had big games against the Eskimos. Um, But, you know, uh, I always competed probably against Tommy Scott, who was my running mate. Yeah, (laughs) And Tommy, um, you know, had broken every record. Um, that it sat and uh, that it was available, and we ended up being roommates. He was a few years older than me and best friend, and, you know, great friends, and see each other still to today. I, I would, you know, I always uh, wanted to aspire if I could always beat Tommy Scott. I always knew I could have a pretty good day.
2: No kidding. That's not a bad name to compete with for sure. Brian Kelly joining us here. Where are they now? The Eskimos legendary receiver used to wear number 70. Uh, you knew it well. If you're watching the CFL back in the day, uh, what did you know about the Canadian
1: football league before you came North thing? I went to Washington state university where it's, that's where Hugh Campbell went and he was yeah. the coach of the Eskimos. And you know, he's closely connected with the university and has been all his life. And I guess that's maybe how he saw me play. Um, And uh, when he called me and asked if I wanted to come up there, I mean, I I literally knew nothing. I was like most Americans are totally ignorant on the country of Canada, Alberta, Edmonton in particular. Um, So I knew nothing. I just came up and figured I was 22 years old. I I mean, I was going to graduate college and I would never even given the thought of, so what am I going to do? I don't know what I was thinking those days, but um, I just got in the car and drove up and. Stayed there for quite a while.
2: Yeah, no kidding. What 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 were your first impressions of uh, Edmonton of the CFL of our game?
1: Well, uh, of Edmonton, I, I, you know, I liked Edmonton. It's a beautiful city. The traffic. I'd never been in a traffic circle. That was kind of confusing for <laughs> me. Um, the game. Once I saw the game and, and, and the field and just kind of how it was run, I knew me. I knew that I could play here. And I knew that I could probably do well here. The, it just fit me to a T is where, you know, really college football um, didn't. You know, the field was smaller, the, the different systems. It's more uh, regimented, uh, structured, maybe is the word. But I, when I saw what went on up here, I thought, you know, this is this is where I should be.
2: You know, uh, uh, f- the freewheeling style was Edmonton then because you had the Eskimos and you had the Oilers, City of Champions. What was it like to be in that uh, that city back then? And did you have much to do with the Oilers and their players?
1: Yeah, you know, it was a great, great place to be. You know, it was before all the social media and all the scrutiny that today's athletes are under that I have no idea how they actually handle. But it was, um, and the Oilers and the Eskimos were you know, we're really close. Um, they used to come watch us practice. We used to certainly support them. We were both on the road together in the same city. We'd always get together. Um, you know, they were just a bunch of young kids just like we were. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, and Edmonton's a small city and they were incredibly nice. They're, you know, I know we were kind of, uh, sort of the, the, what they aspired to be because we were winning before they got to winning. Mm -hmm. and um, so it was a really good relationship, uh, really healthy, really fun. You know, when I think about it, you know, if I tell people stories about, yeah, you know, we'd go have beers with Gretzky and Messier and stuff in Vancouver after a game. It's like, well, who believes that even? Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, yeah, right. Nobody. But it was a small city, and we were just all a bunch of young kids. You were
2: Warren Moon's favorite target all those years. Just talk about playing with Warren, another fellow uh, Hall of Famer, and, and just the chemistry you guys had. How magical that was!
1: Well, you know, the, the first thing is Warren was exceptionally gifted. He could throw the ball to any part of the field, um, which his arm was, you know, strong. But it was it was really it was accurate, and he had a lot of touch, and so. When I saw that because we played against each other in college, and um when I saw that though in person it then it kind of I started using every corner of the field, and I would do things that most defensive backs would you know sort of think well well this can 't possibly happen, but knowing warren 's abilities um we would do it and and a lot of the times you know defensive backs would give up on where I was going because they figured, well, there's no one that can get the ball to him, mm-hmm. And, well, sure enough, Warren could. And so that had a lot to do with it.
2: You talked about uh, Mr. Snow with the Rams, I believe, and and how he never got caught from behind. Uh, Now, forgive me, I was a younger boy watching you play. I don't remember you as a speedster, but you were shifty. You ran great patterns. Would you agree with that assessment? And and really, maybe Brian Kelly was deep a lot and open a lot, not only because you were a good route runner, but because Moon could throw it farther than anybody thought he
1: could. That's true. And uh, a long secret that I've, I was a lot faster than I ever let anybody know. <laughs> so, you know, I would always used to just present this front of being just a slow guy. And, you know, and the defensive backs are not the brightest group of people that I ever came across in athletics and they all bought it hook, line and sinker. And, um, I was a lot faster than anyone ever thought, anyone ever believed who was playing against me.
2: That is outstanding. Brian Kelly joining us here for Where Are They Now, the Eskimos legend. Now you're a Canadian Football Hall of Famer in 1991. You are also picked as the top 20 player ever to play in the CFL in their top 50 list by TSN. What do those two accolades mean to you?
1: Well, you know, the Hall of Fame is is, is really, it's really nice, and it was – you know, unfortunately, I kind of retired early, and I, I left when I was thirty-one. I was—I I had my best year the previous year, and it all came so quickly that I was still in my mid-thirties when I was getting these kind of awards. And, I, and really, I don't know if at the time I really appreciated what it meant. I certainly do now as the years have gone on and people that have waited and waited and waited to get into a Hall of Fame, I certainly uh, empathize with them. Um, but so it, it, that was almost one of those things where I was really fortunate to play with a really good team. We won lots of games and championships and this was another, you know, it was much more team related than individually related. But I probably didn't appreciate the significance of it mm-hmm. because I was so young um, at the time. And, the, you know, the top 20 thing, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of that. There's a lot of, you know, the CFL's been around forever. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm quite proud of that, actually.
2: Yeah. One of the uh, guys who was on the 1978 to 1982 uh, Edmonton uh, Eskimos football team. Actually, I think he came a little later. Sorry, he did, but he won his last. Uh, his last game was a great cup win in 1987 when the Edmonton Eskimos beat the Toronto Argonauts at uh, BC place. Yeah, from 79 to 87. Yeah, so he missed the, he missed the first great cup, but he won four there and then the fifth one in 87. He's a, he's 21 Ironman competitions. This dude is still in great shape. Oh. Uh, and he was our guest. For uh, Where Are They Now? It was brought to you by Floor Coverings International. Need new floors? Let Floor Coverings International bring their mobile showroom to you. Visit their website for your free consultation. Zinger, what show is the best guess?
3: 620 CKRM, the home of your Saskatchewan Roughriders.
2: Tomorrow, AJ Jakubek, who yes. went to the World Cup. He's also the voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks and goes to Senator games. We'll talk uh, Ottawa sports with him. We'll talk with the great rumpled scribe. Rob Vanstone, Kerry Joseph, yes. quarterbacks coach for the Seattle Seahawks. We'll talk about Geno Smith's great season with Seattle and their disappointing loss to San Francisco in the playoffs. Former rider quarterback joins us, Glenn Suter, and BC Lions Canadian receiver, Big Javon Katoy. That and much, much more coming up tomorrow on the Sports Cage. Make sure you're tuning in. You can catch the podcast, this one, uh, right away when Zinger puts it up. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow.
0: Today's sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.